Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Welcome back to the Paracast. This week we've got a really fascinating, interesting direction for the show. Unlike a lot of other shows where they just interview the standard guests who write books or give lectures, occasionally we find a worthy person, and there are a lot of them, in our forums at forum.theparacast.com. Very knowledgeable people participate there, and occasionally we find one or two to bring on a show. You're like Gogs Mackay comes on occasionally, and we met him through the forums, and he's always been a great addition. We've had other forum members, and we'll tell you about this one a little bit later. In any case... So I know that our session with David Marler on triangular UFOs has sparked all sorts of discussions. Unfortunately, not all those discussions have been necessarily just back and forth about what he said. Some people kind of got out of shape over it. But it's interesting how many different directions that discussion has taken, Chris. Yeah, well, um, someone like uh, David Marler, who is one of our kind of unsung hero researchers uh, digging away in the trenches, uh, you know, has stated some some absolutes that uh, people, you know, were taking exception to. And and uh, that's understandable. Um, I think in this realm, nothing is absolute. Uh, there's no one-size-fits-all answer for any of these mysteries. And, and you really have to be careful how you couch your particular conclusions because there's always going to be... <laughs> Probably more people that will take exception to that conclusion than there are people that will, you know, support your particular uh, point of view. So, you know, that's what makes this particular Paracast Forum so healthy, invigorating, and intellectually stimulating. I really, um, I've been enjoying the the back and forth on on his appearance, on on all our guests' appearance. I think generally we have uh, we have some very insightful posters and. Today, we have one of our most insightful posters. One of my favorite uh, forum participants is going to be with us today, and and uh, we'll ask him about how he responded to uh, David Marler's uh, appearance and uh, other guests that we've had, including Greg Bishop. Now, the one thing, of course, about triangular UFOs is that unlike lights in the sky, we're talking about objects in the sky with a distinctive shape. And that leads one to think of something that it's real, it's solid, it's an actual aircraft. That's the one thing. The second thing is the concerns over whether maybe some level of those reports, maybe beginning in the 80s, could have represented test aircraft of some sort, as separated from a lot of other cases, which are obviously not ours, unless we were flying things around in the early 20th century or something, or even before. But that's the one thing that is interesting. Chris, what's your take about the possibility that we have some ringers there, maybe test aircraft? I think that there's a very strong possibility that, um, you know, the defense uh, industrial complex has devised uh, lighter-than-air platforms that could be quite uh, substantial in terms of their size. I don't think that these types of craft, which are stealth craft, basically, uh, are you know, obviously going to be darting off at impossible speeds, making right angle turns, the types of um, maneuvers that uh, some sightings of what appear to be triangular craft have been reported making. So I think even though there is that that real strong possibility that we do have lighter than air stealth uh, platforms, I don't think that they come close to explaining away 
all the events uh, that have been reported, including some of the Belgian sightings, uh, the Phoenix Lights, could possibly have been something like that, although the size would uh, would kind of dissuade me from thinking that we have anything that's a mile uh, in size. I mean, if we do, it'd be really tough to even test something like that, let alone, um, you know, whip it out and fly it over, you know, the two largest cities in, in Arizona, fifth largest city in North America. So, you know, it's uh, that's why his book is so good, because he goes into a lot of nuances about how these craft are described. The Hudson Valley sightings in the 80s, I think, is a, a real good example of, of possibly uh, multiple types of craft uh, with that triangular configuration that were spotted by, by, many, by many hundreds, if not thousands, of witnesses. Of course, we have to remember that we exclude in talking about the Hudson Valley sightings one of the authors of Night Siege for obvious reasons. But since there were two worthy authors in that book, a lot of it has to be taken seriously. Plus, I, I lived there uh, when this was going on. And I remember uh, a friend of mine's father was driving down the Taconic uh, Parkway and, and saw one of these objects and mentioned it to the family. And of course, I would see um, newspaper reports um, about these craft a number of times. Uh, some college buddies and girlfriends and stuff. And I uh, went up to Untermeyer Park uh, up in Yonkers with a commanding view of the Hudson River there from the cliffs. And because there had been sightings reported in the area the night before, we thought maybe we would uh, get lucky and get a repeat performance. Um, somebody even suggested, uh, if I remember correctly, drawing one of those signs like in Close Encounters that said, stop and be friendly. <laughs> but, you know, we we ended up just kind of getting bored and going off and doing something else. So we, unfortunately, I was not... I can't count myself among the many witnesses that uh, had experiences uh, during that time period there, but I, there was something flying around there. There's no question about it. There was too many people were spotting it, too many law enforcement officials. Uh, there were some radar uh, radar reports. The, the reports that I found most compelling were the reports that seemed to center around the Indian Point nuclear plant, uh, which is north of, uh, of New York City, right on the Hudson, and the third author uh, of the Night Siege book, uh, Phil Imbrogno, claimed that at one point uh, security personnel saw grays inside the containment facility and all that. And, you know, I'm not really quite sure what to make of that. Uh, now that we know about some of his confabulations, uh, it would be, be tough to take that particular uh, account uh, at face value. But living right there uh, during that time period, I can assure everyone that uh, there was something flying around, if not multiple things flying around there. And uh, there's a possibility that it could have been some sort of uh, stealth, uh, very human technology, uh, stealth-style uh, technology, because very few of these reports reported any sort of non-ballistic motion or, or impossible speeds or that sort of thing, if memory serves me correct. Of course, I suppose one of the things we can consider here is whether the military was staging some sort of experimentation in their various activities in that particular area. Well, yeah, there's there's some rationale behind that. I mean, I mean, I could see um, tweaking um, security uh, procedures and and eliciting some sort of response from security personnel around plants like that. They, they could have been uh, gauging the reaction of uh, local officials and that sort of thing. I think that sort of activity goes on a lot. Um, you know, based on my work in the San Luis Valley, I, I have a sense that if the government is involved in clandestinely flying 
um, let's say exotic technology or, or black, black project craft around uh, particular areas. Maybe it's done to gauge the response on the population, on the security, uh, law enforcement personnel, and that sort of thing. And of course, to use that famous term, this gives them a level of plausible deniability. After all, there are no such things as UFOs. Never happen. Nothing is going on. Nothing to worry about. Therefore, you might as well ignore it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's get on to our special guest this week. Now, as we've mentioned, we've got some positively brilliant people who hang out in the forums at forum.theparacast.com. Positively brilliant And perhaps one of the most intelligent and prolific posters is a fellow who calls himself Burnt State. Don't know which state, you know, New York, Illinois. Don't know which state or state of confusion. No, I don't think so. Of course, you wonder what other names this guy could have picked. (laughs) Yeah, Burnt Toast maybe, but I don't know. Burnt State. I suppose we'll find out the whys and wherefores as to how he picked that name. But once again, he is extremely knowledgeable about all things paranormal, and you're really going to want to hear from him. So coming up, without further ado, we're going to present Burnt State, making his first appearance in the show. You're on with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. First game attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Hi, John Hubner from Midas Resources. Are you tired of watching your hard-earned assets dwindle away? As government spending is out of hand and the Federal Reserve is creating in excess of $20 billion a week, are you tired of stockbrokers gambling away your hard-earned money? Is this market a setup for a crash greater than 1987? Too many of today's policies resemble those that led to the collapse of 1929. This is John Hubner, and that was me in 2007. And we all know what happened when the subprime credit bubble burst. By March 2009, the dollar lost 50% of its value. The entire U.S. banking system was on the verge of collapsing. Like all financial problems of the past, is history about to repeat itself? Call me, John Hubner, at 1-800-686-2237, extension 129, before it's too late to protect yourself. Will the oncoming catastrophe take all private IRAs, 401ks with it? There is a way to protect your hard-earned assets. Call me, John Hubner, at one 800 686 2237 extension 129. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? 
Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE, 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. You're fired. According to the Small Business Administration, 75% of small businesses plan to eliminate jobs or reduce workers' hours to part-time. You're fired. According to Gallup, the unemployment rate recently jumped to nearly 9%, and the underemployment rate hit a staggering 17.9%. You're fired. One out of three young adults and one out of two recent college graduates are underemployed. Hello, I'm Keith Abel, a pharmacist and a home business entrepreneur. In 2011, I became one of those statistics myself. Instead of looking for another job in corporate America, I joined Dr. Joel Wallet, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. We're creating steady incomes for ourselves and would like to show you how to do the same. If you want to supplement your current income, replace your income, so you don't have to become one of the statistics, then give me a call toll-free at 866-257-3105. 866-257-3105. You're fired. Don't wait till you hear those words. Start creating an extra income today. 866-257-3105. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Don't forget to visit plus.theparacast.com. That's P-L-U-S dot theparacast.com. There you'll learn about our special premium service where you get an ad-free version of the Paracast and the After the Paracast podcast, plus.theparacast.com. We've got a gentleman here who deserves a lot of praise because he's one of our most prolific posters at our forums at forum.theparacast.com. He engages in all sorts of paranormal discussions, and now he's joining us. His name is Burnt State, and that's the name he'll go by, except that we will occasionally talk to him with his real name, which is Robert. Burnt State, we're so glad to have you on the show. Yes, sir. The first and most obvious question I can ask is why do you call yourself Burnt State? Well, I think on one hand, it, it celebrates a bit of my own uh, kind of uh, um, anti-government stance, I guess I would say, in terms of, you know, raising things to the ground. But but really, it's not about that kind of anarchist perspective. It's actually, and this is you know, kind of gives things away, it's a bit of a translation of my original name in, in German. And uh, I found out through actually a forum member online who questioned me about my, my handle. Uh, and I had to research it. And when I researched it, I found out that I come from a long line of arsonists, but very specific arsonists, what we did was following the plague, we would go to parts of uh, uh, infested cities and we would burn everything to the ground so we could actually start all over again. So in that way, I kind of like that handle as something that's tied to that idea of uh, creation and destruction and those kind of endless cycles of that. Burning off the dross. That's right. 
in the alchemical uh, fashion. But, you know, the only time I've ever heard the uh, term burnt state was after, uh, you know, when I was in high school, back in my uh, psychotropic days, that uh, after a particularly uh, eventful weekend, we'd all kind of wander around bumping into walls uh, the following Monday in a burnt state. Yes, indeed. I know that. <laughs> Crispy. <laughs> So based on that, can we assume that you have from time to time decided to partake of certain substances that we will not name specifically? I have on occasion. I try to leave that part of my life behind now. I have other responsibilities. And we assume those responsibilities are? That's a wife and kids and a dog, and they all need me. They all need me. They need me perfectly to cook for them is the most important part. So tonight they're flying solo. Yeah. They, 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 need, they, they need you well done. <laughs> or, or done enough, but not burnt. That's correct. My wife tells me that right now, where I stand, the insurance money is not enough. I'm actually uh, worth more alive than dead, but I think I've got uh, limited uh, time on that that offer. Now, obviously, you don't spend your time writing forum posts on the Paracast forums, although you spend a lot of time doing it. So, what do you actually do in civilian life? Yeah, it's a, it's a totally different scene altogether. I, I am a, a teacher of children, and uh, and I consume my time really trying to think of ways that I uh, that I can engage youth uh, to express themselves, put their voice out there, uh, be more independent in an age of, uh, of digital copycatting and and yik yakking. I would really like to see kids be able to express themselves in a in a way that's unencumbered from the mediated reality that they live in. So that's my primary goal as an educator. So, what grades do you actually teach? I'm all over the map in high school, but primarily I do uh, uh, upper band uh, classes. I used to be a comm tech teacher, and then I was an English teacher, and now I'm a leadership teacher, and I kind of try to merge all of those different fields together to get kids to create product and, and engage their community and engage ideas that matter to them and, and try to, to help them out with some of the social ills that, that they face in this uh, increasingly stressful era that they live in. You know, you're quite a writer, so the English part really comes across on the forum. Some of your posts are just absolutely dazzling, and I'm not blowing smoke at you here. Uh, I really have learned a lot by reading your posts, and and you have a way, uh, you know, for people who aren't familiar with uh, the Paracast forum, um, Robert has a way of drilling down on subjects and opening up doors that you that I normally wouldn't go through, and and give give me things to really sink my teeth into and think about that, that I normally wouldn't have unless I'd read your post. And that's one of the reasons why we got you on the show because of, of your amazing insight. You really do have a, a, an analytical sense about you that allows the subject in question to really blossom. And um, I think a lot of people really appreciate that as it, it shows your, your likes way out, <laughs> outnumber your posts, which is I think a good way to gauge a person's, um, impact on a forum is to look how many likes they've received versus how many posts. And you've, you've got several hundred more than uh, likes than you do posts, which is a good sign in my book. Now, Chris and I and everybody else who's interested in the paranormal have all gone through this. At some point in your life as a wee lad, what got you interested in looking after the paranormal rather than playing baseball, football, watching cartoons on TV, whatever? Uh, no, I think it happens uh, pretty pretty early on in a young boy's life when you're tr 
trolling through the library and you're done with the Hardy Boys collection and your mind turns to uh, Bradbury and, and Serling and Asimov. And uh, before you know it, uh, you're away to the races and reading about uh, the paranormal. And I scouted through all the libraries in my town to cover every single Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, UFO, um, yeah, possession, you know, text that I could find. My brain was pretty turned on to altered realities uh, early on, and uh, and that kind of culminated uh, early on in my childhood with a pretty interesting uh, UFO um, sequence uh, that unfolded. And, and I think those things really consolidated, you know, early on. Um, that's when it happens. Now, I wasn't so lucky in my life about having a UFO sighting. Chris did. But can you tell us about your sighting? Give us the details. It's, it's a pretty interesting one. And it's, uh, it's me on an ice rink uh, in my neighborhood. Uh, we're in the center of the block uh, in a very, very large uh, field. I would say maybe 100, 200 square, square meters. Um, there was a, a rink that was made at night. We were out there skating, myself, my buddy, and uh, the babys- his babysitter's uh, uh, daughter. Yeah, she was an older gal in her, I think, early teens, and we would have been maybe 10 or 11. Uh, the three of us were on the rink playing a two-on-one shinny up against each other, and when it was two-on-one against my friend, he ran off inside, and it was just uh, the babysitter's daughter and I, and I looked at her. She had stepped on the puck and couldn't hit it anymore. I looked at her. She was Her neck was craned up to the sky. It was a crystal clear uh, night, beautiful stars out, and there up in the sky approaching us were two classical flying saucers. They seemed to be slightly illuminated. They looked metal. They had a, a ring of lights around them. Um, one seemed to be paused a little further in the field up in the air, and the other one was descending towards us. And when I saw that, immediately in my brain, something clicked off and said, uh-oh, here it is. I know what's going to be happening. We're going to get abducted. And, and that didn't happen. Uh, and I watched this ship come closer to us, and then it seemed to descend uh, towards the, the power lines that ran along the back of the houses that, that bordered the ice rink. And, and then that ship slowly eased its way through the backyards, and it paused above another friend's house uh, by a tree and above their garage roof, and it hovered there for a bit. And then it went up and joined the other one. The two of them uh, went further down a couple of blocks and seemed to hover up over my favorite corner store. Uh, They stayed there. The whole experience was maybe about two or three minutes. And then the two of them just blasted off into space and looked like stars uh, as they were leaving and just disappeared into the night sky. This is just the beginning. We've got a lot more to come with our guest, Burnt State. Joining Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to Mr. UFO at webtv.net. That's Mr. UFO at webtv.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. 
you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-205-8110. In clinical trials, the ingredient in Super Beta Prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This Super Beta Prostate-free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-205-8110. That's 1-800-205-8110. Call 1-800-205-8110. We all have our own idea about what being safe and secure means. The door's locked, bills are paid, you've got a job that keeps the lights on, and a home to call your own. But what happens when Mother Nature throws a curveball? I'm telling you, the yes, are you prepared to live without electricity or passable roads for weeks at a time? Do you even have a plan B? If you do, are you willing to bet your life on it? Children left with no homes. And no one's coming to help them. Help the first step towards self-reliance in the face of disaster is a visit to MyPatriotSupply.com. There you'll find the absolute best prices on storable foods, non-GMO seeds, emergency water filtration devices, and so much more. All orders over $49 qualify for free shipping in the lower 48 states. Call 866-229-0927. That's 866-229-0927. And speak to one of our preparedness advisors today or visit us at mypatriotsupply.com remember before it's time to survive it's time to prepare hey guess what they've got some great deals for valentine's day at guns80.com they're calling it the sweetheart special guns80.com has lowered the price way down to 400 bucks up until valentine's day order your ghost ar-15 now tell your sweetheart that this is the right gift at the right time Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your sweetheart, too. Your sweetheart will thank you for being so tuned into his or her needs. Get a brand new Ghost AR-15 right now for 400 bucks. Heck, buy two. His and hers. Go to guns80.com or call and ask for the sweetheart deal. Love is in the air at guns80.com. Call now, 844-2-GUNS-80. That's 844-248-6780. It's a sweetheart of a deal. Actually, it's a steal at 400 bucks. So call guns80.com at 844-2-GUNS-80, but hurry, supplies are limited. Call 844-2-GUNS-80 or get your Ghost AR-15 today at guns80.com on the web. This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This week on the Paracast, we're featuring one of our most prolific forum posters, none other than Burnt State. And he's telling us about his first sighting of a UFO. Did this, Robert, pretty much cement your ongoing interest in the paranormal? It, it really did, but I think what cemented it even more was what happened the following spring 
because the following spring, we were in the backyard where that UFO had, had hovered over my other friend's house. And uh, we were going into his house. It was actually his aunt's house uh, there. And she didn't trust him with keys into the house. I think we were only in grade four, grade five at the time. And uh, so we climbed a ladder to get into the second floor of his house. And when we climbed that ladder, we looked out across. He stopped. And he looked. He says, holy, look at that. And he was looking over to the garage where that UFO had hovered. And there I was looking over it. And it all, you know, kind of flooded back in some ways where there the, the top part of the tree that was near there was burnt in a, in a radial arc on the uh, portion of the, the garage. All the shingles had been burnt and upturned. And I remember my friend saying, my uncle is going to be so pissed. He had just reshingled that roof. And look at that. What happened? Now, when we had told the UFO story to our friends when that happened that previous winter, uh, everybody laughed, mocked us, uh, my parents dismissed us. It was kind of a done deal. But it all came flooding back inside of that moment and really consolidated that something, in fact, really was there. And I think that trace evidence piece, that's the part that really locked into my brain and, and kind of logged me on that. That summer, my friend and I got out walkie-talkies and we went UFO hunting through the entire city. <laughs> now, this particular episode... By any chance, did it happen to make the newspapers? I scoured through newspapers all through the next week in shock that how could there not be anything there printed about this obvious, amazing, incredible event and was entirely dismayed that there was absolutely nothing there at all. And, uh, and of course, we were young kids. You know, we didn't talk to adults other than our, our parents. So there really wasn't anybody to, to confirm or talk to or call the police that, you know, we were grade four, grade five kids uh, there. My, my mother and father kind of dismissed the event altogether, though my mother remembered very well uh, my retelling of it because she reminded me of it about 15 years later, which was a, another very interesting event connected to that that incident because when uh, we were talking about UFOs casually at dinner table over a Christmas uh, meal and uh, my mother piped up and says, well, well, Robert, you had a UFO experience. And, and I'll be honest, up to that point in time, that, that entire incident, I guess, for some reason had been just switched off or my brain had decided not to accept it anymore and not dwell on it. And as soon as she said that, the entire incident from start to finish all came back to me again and with great immediacy, which was quite startling, actually. So was that an indication, after all, that your parents may have really taken all this quite seriously? No, I thought she had dismissed it entirely because I remember I came running in the house at the same time my father had. And he had been at the corner store and I was berating him, you know, how could you not see these ships? They were floating right above you. So, yeah, it was kind of had, it, it had, had been dismissed. It got dismissed by my peers and I think dismissed in general. And, and I think my own brain just dismissed it really for a good, good period of time. And I find it interesting every so many decades that something happens that, that brings that case back. Uh, in university, was reading Passport to Magonia. And uh, for whatever reason, in my early 40s, uh, it was me thinking about the, that incident, which led me to the Paracast and other kind of paranormal shows and, and has kind of launched this most recent spate of, of investigation and curiosity for myself in the field. So certainly you were engaging in a pretty wide search about UFOs. But did you bring that out in public, maybe into the classroom, that you had any abiding interest in the subject? It really was a search. Uh, I, I, again, for whatever reason, I was talking about the UFO experience on, on rare occasions. I would mention it in, in one of my classes. 
just as a fun way to kind of close the course off. And I would tell the story and kids would be enthralled and amazed. And and I guess I had started thinking about it a little bit more and, and wanting to delve into it. And I it was the age of the podcast. Uh, somebody had given me an iPhone and uh, I started trolling around looking to see uh, what I could find. And I thankfully stumbled into your show uh, when you and uh, Biedney were, were on a roll right in the early periods of it. And, and very shortly after that, I became a lurker on the forum and started reading some of the amazing material that was being posted uh, by people. And I think that was the, the main catalyst uh, that has brought me here to maybe this moment and talking to the two of you, because my interest has been reactivated in a way I would, I wouldn't say it's unhealthy, but wow, it consumes a lot of my time, unpaid time. <laughs> so as a family man, how does your family react to your preoccupation with these subjects? Uh, you know, my, my, my daughter mocks me a little bit uh, on it. Uh, my wife is uh, slightly annoyed because there is other work I'm supposed to be doing uh, that could be bringing money into the, the household that I keep uh, delaying. And so that's, that's not a popular piece there. So I, I don't talk a lot about it. And I'll be honest, the way I raised both my children was to not to believe in unreal things such as Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny or any of that stuff. And, uh, and my daughter killed the Easter Bunny when she was three years old. <laughs> Uh, I tried to explain to her the reason why her Christmas chocolate went missing was that the Easter Bunny would take it, recycle it, uh, you know, and then give it back uh, come Easter. And she turned on me at the age of three and said, Dad, you know and I know there is no such thing as the Easter Bunny here on this earth. And she said it with such incredible conviction. I was like, wow, I've really raised a rationalist here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, she is now uh, the ripe age of 13, has discovered makeup, is managing a very interesting and creative life herself online, uh, counting her creative Tumblr followers. Uh, she does a lot of Photoshop and artwork herself as a creative character and a, has a pretty good mind on her. How old is your son? Uh, my son is 11 and is eager and sweet and still a huggable uh, teddy bear who loves having me coach him yeah. soccer. In the Enjoy summer. it while it lasts. Oh, I really am. I really am. You know, when we have the sex talk, he always says to me, uh, Dad, I really don't need to know about that sort of stuff right now. I'm like, all right, God bless you, son. Let's uh, keep that going for a while. <laughs> But what about the dog? The dog is a border collie husky that uh, we picked up at the pound because uh, nobody in the family was allergic to it. Both my uh, my wife and my son are, are very allergic to animals. And uh, this husky's double coat doesn't produce allergens. And I had them both rub their face into it. And uh, he has become such an amazing addition into our environment. It's incredible how much emotion an animal can bring into your environment. So he's a real uh, centerpiece uh, for this family. Of course, in the Steinberg household, we have the one and only teddy bear. And we got him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard all about him. (laughs) Before we get too far away from that initial, very kind of paradigm-shifting experience that you had when you were a kid, the following spring, what prompted you? uh, One of our questions here from a a new sign-up at forum.theparacast.com named Sand, who actually signed up Christmas Eve wonders what what was your compulsion to climb up that ladder and look there um for you know actual physical trace evidence and my follow-up question would be did you and your friend mention this to his father and make a point of pointing out that the tree had been uh impacted and that it appeared a patterning of of heat had impacted the uh, brand new shingles you know, I think there's something interesting about, about youth and, and, and the adult world, just to take up the last question first, is that we live in two different spaces. 
youth live in a very creative, imaginative, uh, irrational environment. Their brain chemistry is very irrational. And so the idea of the possibilities and potentials of strange things, uh, I think, go hand in hand. Where you become an adult, things start to get a little bit more mundane, rational. And and so those conversations don't happen. It was his aunt and uncle's place. His dad was non-existent. His his, uh, mom was mostly unconscious and, and, and usually drunk or sleeping it off on the couch. He was a loner. And as a loner, he was able to, you know, go in and out of his aunt's house. And, and that time he went in because he didn't have the keys. And so we climbed the ladder and he liked the idea of breaking into that house. And, and so we would do that on, on very rare occasions. And, and, I, and I was really captivated by that, the, that poster's question because I think there is something interesting that's going on, obviously, with the UFO experience that is connected to us, that wants us to pay attention there. And, and, and I had asked him to qualify that a little bit more because I almost feel like in some ways that the UFO piece is almost like a bait, you know, that you're being lured into to something. And, and by climbing up that ladder, we, we did it by chance. But if we hadn't, we really wouldn't have taken notice, I think, uh, of the shingles or, or of the tree. As like little kids, you, you couldn't see up to the top of that roof. The only way we could have had that vantage was climbing up the ladder. And so is that just chance or is that you know, something else bringing us there, uh, that's where things start to get a little nebulous and, uh, and strange, I guess, with, with this discussion. Hmm. More to come with Burnt State, Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Great minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. If the IRS has garnished your paycheck or seized money from your bank account, you need to get professional tax help now. Fast action is required to put a halt to these aggressive IRS collection tactics. You can count on the knowledgeable team of tax professionals at Wall & Associates. With over 30 years of experience, Wall & Associates has settled the tax problems of thousands of taxpayers for a small fraction of what they owed. For a free face-to-face consultation, call 1-800-425-4610 to put a wall between you and the IRS, 1-800-425-4610, or look for us on the web at wallandassociates.net. We solve tax problems. If you hire Walland Associates today, you'll never have to talk to the IRS again. To stop the levies and seizures today, take action now. Call Walland Associates at 1-800-425-4610. Wall and Associates, 1-800-425-4610. Based on actual cases, results may vary, not a solicitation for legal services. This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. 
That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. It's no secret that government and big business buy in bulk and get huge discounts not available to the little guy. Until now. Introducing a breakthrough crowd-buying website where people can join together, buy in bulk, and get massive discounts on millions of popular products. It's TogetherSave.com. TogetherSave.com. You can save 20, 30, or even 50% off tablets, smartphones, cars, appliances, textbooks, sports equipment, video games, and much more. All with free delivery. Check it out. TogetherSave.com. Visit now and start group buying today at TogetherSave.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. On the Paracast this week, we're featuring Burnt State Robert, a very welcome presence on our forums at forum.theparacast.com, where he hangs out. But other than our forums, do you go about anywhere expressing your interest in these subjects no i keep that pretty on the down low i would i would say uh, i once last year and because uh, i'll be honest I, I i'm actually a pretty skeptical individual when it comes to these these pieces most of these last six years investigating paranormal pieces have been trying to make sense of the things that happened to me at various points in my life and try to understand are there in fact real mundane physiological pharmacological explanations uh, for these pieces and, and i feel like some uh, of these pieces I've had answers to. So I come across in the classroom as pretty skeptical. And, and I ran an interesting poll, poll last year uh, with a bunch of students at the end of the uh, semester two session. They're heading into summer. And I asked them, you know, which of these paranormal pieces do you take stock in? And I listed a collection from UFOs to ghosts to psychics, Bigfoot, you know, uh, monsters, uh, psychic uh, pieces, um, all of it. And I was quite surprised. You know, UFOs were way down at the list. They thought that was not really that possible. Uh, Bigfoot possibly, but they were all there for the psychic. And, and you know, and you can see how the, the impact of the media age uh, really does uh, correspond to kids then believing in the things that are popular and presented. And of course, you know, the Long Island psychic and different kind of popular psychics that you see on TV has had a huge impact. And some kids really got into, you know, intense debate with me just how real they thought those things were until I kind of pointed out, you know, some of the strategies and techniques perhaps that can be used to, to trick people into revealing information and then convincing them that in fact, oh no, your mind just been read. Ah yes, the reading of the minds. Shades of the amazing Kreskin. <laughs> Something like that. Just not as in 
credible as Kreskin could do it, but I think he had some pretty good aides. Well, how about other experiences, uh, you know, subsequent to that original experience? Have you ever had any potential haunted site experiences or other types of, you know, unusual uh, phenomena that you may have been witness to or privy to? I would say that perhaps there's maybe two or three other interesting things. Like as a as a young child, I, I had some pretty intense nightmares that included, you know, uh, walking hallucinations, uh, things that I would call even, you know, waking nightmares, uh, where I was having, it felt like experiences happening to me while I was, you know, awake in the grocery store with my mother, uh, and yet monsters were there and, and presence. Uh, I remember seeing a Chinese dragon in total neon flames dancing at the end of my father's bed and I was pointing and staring at it and of course he was seeing nothing and I was freaking out altogether and I think those were perhaps fever induced or, or something else was happening but um, but later on when I was in high school I decided for some reason to take up the Ouija board I really wanted to get into the paranormal piece hadn't encountered ghosts or anything like that but I thought this is an avenue and that produced some very interesting um, results actually uh, and, and I had to reflect on that really long and hard later on to try to understand what was happening uh, with that experience. Uh, there was a group of us that would get together and, and Ouija and our contact spirit, very kind of familiar and typical. Our contact spirit was a seven-year-old girl named Heather. She claimed that her father had burnt uh, the house down with all the occupants in it. And could, she please some, uh, could we please somehow help her? help her to, to be released. And uh, and there was a group of us that Ouija pretty regularly. I kept detailed notes about all of the contacts, what happened, uh, what took place, uh, the differing experiences in it. it. It culminated in a very dramatic moment, of course, one final night where we were in my basement and um, and we Ouija'd Heather and Heather suddenly turned very aggressive and vile and claimed that it was, in fact, not Heather all along. It was the father, and he was going to come to kill all of us one by one and spelled out all of our names in which order the deaths would take place. And at that final moment, the Ouija planchette kind of flew off the board, and then a door slammed upstairs, and everybody freaked right out. <laughs> we went upstairs, and I checked with a hockey stick and all my friends in tow, and we checked every single room uh, in case there was a burglar, and all the doors were closed. No windows were open. There was no draft. Couldn't really figure that out. But that wasn't really the kicker. The kicker was in the middle of our Ouija sessions. I remember going to pick up uh, my girlfriend from the corner store she worked at to, to do one of our Ouija events after uh, school the one uh, summer. And as I was walking to pick her up, something glinted on the sidewalk that caught my eye. And it was a, a little gold charm. And I, and I picked up the charm. And the charm was like a little uh, foot, a little gold foot like a mother would wear on her on her bracelet. And engraved, of course, on that foot was the name Heather. And that, you know, when I look back on that, I, I think a lot about the Conjuring Philip, you know, episode and how people can kind of bring things together somehow into reality. And, and, and I really do believe that the Ouija board is, is primarily a co-creation amongst um, peoples, that peoples are unconsciously doing this together and they're not aware that they're tipping the table. They're not aware that they're spelling things out. But that foot was, uh, came from somewhere else. That was a really oddity. A big oddity. And then and then another interesting moment was when my father challenged the Ouija and said, you know, I, I don't believe this Ouija stuff. It's all junk. You you tell me, what's your uh, grandmother's um, uh, birth date? And so I, he, knowing that I had no clue about birth dates at all, and I still don't. And I asked the Ouija board and it spelled out a birth date. And he says, see, there you go, wrong. To which my mother piped up and said, wait a second, wait a second. That's my mother's birth date. That is his grandmother's birth date. When I continued ouija there in front of my dad, uh, my dad asked, okay, well, tell me, who's there? Who is this? And it spelled out the name of a co-worker. It was a co-worker my father had just introduced me to the previous week. He hadn't told me anything about this co-worker. He had just started a new life, had all these beautiful aquariums downstairs, had a new wife and kids. But for whatever reason, 
just a day before I'm Ouijing and I'm and the Ouija board is telling me it's is my dad's friend. My father tells me uh, he just hanged himself yesterday, and uh, so that was another. So those two pieces, you know, this idea of kind of knowledge or, or things coming out of the ether and somehow arriving into our world as concrete, you know, pieces is, I guess it's Jungian on some levels. It certainly points to the fact that perhaps there's something else going on that I can't explain with, you know, rational thoughts. Um, uh, so while I do believe a lot of the stuff that happens on the Ouija are things that happen collectively, uh, I, I can't really explain those, those two pieces at all uh, there. Shades, shades of Carl Jung, boy, I'll tell you, that's a collective unconscious manifesting on, on some level. Very much so, isn't it? So what other things have you done in your long and checkered life? Well, there was one other classic one was uh, I was big on scaring people. I always enjoyed scaring people. And one of my favorite things to do was to go to a graveyard, uh, an old graveyard in the middle of the woods. Uh, by a university and uh, these soccer fields. And I brought the Ouija board out and a couple of my friends. And we proceeded to Ouija on top of some of these very old graves. One was a World War I pilot's grave that had fallen over. They had put into concrete to memorialize it. And we were Ouijaing on his grave. And he came on that board and told us to get the heck away from his spot and, and leave him alone. Uh, now, we continued to Ouija while we were there. And as we were doing that, all of a sudden... Standing behind us is a fireman. This fireman is standing there looking at us going, you kids need to get out of here. And I can see over his shoulder, there's a full-on blaze going in the forest just about 50 meters behind him. He says, somebody set a fire in the woods. We know it's not you kids because people in the house saw uh, who it was and, and where they went. But you need to leave here and get going. Now, I was really taken by that because we were unaware of any of the sound, the flames, the smoke. Yet when he stepped there, it's like we had suddenly come back to you know, that, that real world place and that we had been transported somewhere. And I think that's a real common experience. And I think that experience is something that is also a co-creation in some ways that, that people can get together and experience some very strange things together that perhaps can transport them to other places, have very shared surreal experiences. I'm not too sure what that's all about, um, but uh, it definitely happened to us at uh, that time. And, um, and that was kind of the, the end of the, the Ouija piece for me, like after that night when we got threatened uh, that uh, nobody else wanted to play anymore uh, with me. And, and I pretty much uh, gave it up, even though I had designed and painted my own Ouija board. It was quite elaborate, made a large circular one uh, that didn't really work too well with the planchette because of the excess of heavy paint I put on it. Um, but that, that kind of ended, that Ouija piece. And it's not something, you know, my kids joke around and they play with the Ouija board every now and then. But I'll be honest, I, I don't encourage it at all. I, I think... Uh, some of these investigations can actually destabilize you. Kind of makes me think of the reflective nature of the UFO phenomenon and other paranormal events. Well, I think we've heard on the Paracast many times this idea that if you stare too deeply into something, uh, it can start staring back at you. I know it's a, it's a famous quote, and uh, um, and I worry about that uh, when I read some of the instances and cases, especially when you look at case studies around uh, abduction uh, pieces, um, and you can see how people have perhaps bypassed some of their normal critical thinking skills uh, there. Uh, I'll give an example. Uh, I had a phone call one day that came from uh, a former student's father wanted to talk to me. And I was, okay, so what's this about? Well, how can I help you, sir? And he said, oh, you taught my daughter creative writing. She really had a great time in your class. But she told me that you had mentioned something about UFOs and that you had told a story. Now, he proceeded to tell me that he was a science teacher, a biology teacher, had been teaching for a very long time, and that he had been spending a lot of time on, I think it was a, a Raelian site, or maybe it was the Zeta Reticula site. Uh, and he wanted me to go look at it because he felt he had tested it all scientifically, and it all made 
total and absolute sense to him and that I should really pay attention to some of that stuff and that he wanted to get together. Now, I'll be honest, I never called him again. I took a look at what was on that site and saw that that was complete junk and bunk uh, that was there. And I'm very concerned that a lot of people actually spend time participating in things that, in fact, are, are very unreal. And I think on some levels, perhaps, are even unhealthy. We've got a lot more to come with Burns State. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. You're listening to GCN, proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Lock down your digital life at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN. This is Dan Pillett. Do you have the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. We the people grow cotton. We fabric Engrave Inc. embeds strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With Gene and Chris in the Paracast, we're featuring Burnt State, one of our best forum posters at forum.thepowercast.com. Check it out and learn more about it. Also, check out plus.thepowercast.com, plus.thepowercast.com, where you can sign up for our premium package, get an ad-free version of the show, the After the Powercast podcast, with more to come. Chris? Hey, I found a guy executed gangland style just, I don't know, less than 100 feet from my house in the, in the, uh, in the Bronx in, in New York, right after I moved there, actually, in 75, and... My dog wouldn't, you know, I normally would walk the dog around the, uh, uh, down by the Hudson River. Um, I was literally in the southernmost house in Riverdale. I had ducks and, and you know, all kinds of waterfowl and stuff. It was a wooded area, uh, unlike most areas in the Bronx, which are just concrete, you know, cement. 
and um, I, the dog wouldn't go down there. And I, I saw a guy, and he, he seemed to be asleep in his car. And oftentimes, people would sleep to wait for the next train, so I didn't think anything of it. But when I came back up the other way, uh, his brains had been blown all, all throughout the back seat. Um, it was quite grisly. Of course, I immediately called it in. And and I was you know I was pretty fascinated at watching the homicide investigation. And of course, the cops had used our house as kind of their command post, and we were making them coffee and stuff. And uh, and I was listening to them uh, talk about it. And I followed up on the case. Actually, I, I kept uh, tabs on it um, uh, over the next year or two. But the one thing that really brought home what it must be like to be a homicide detective in New York City was the guy was had his plastic gloves on and he was examining the the two wounds in the neck uh, before the one that was under the chin and he was eating a sandwich um, at the same time he was working through his lunch hour and uh, was having lunch as he's doing a forensic exam of a dead human and and to me it it, it was a real wake-up call that I guess you go into a certain place of disconnect um, uh, at some point when you're exposed to horrific things like that. I'm sure military, um, active military personnel on the front lines of wars uh, become numb and, 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 and just there's some part of the, the human emotional body and the, and the human brain that just clicks off. And uh, it's, I think, a protection mechanism. But, but to see the guy sitting there eating a sandwich uh, doing that, uh, it just blew me away. And, uh, and after, <laughs> after a few dozen cattle mutilation investigations, um, I remembered back to that particular instance and realized that I was in the same place. That, you know, once you get, you know, really... Well, you never get used to it, but once you get used to the to the actual scene, um, it becomes less and less uh, grotesque uh, up to a certain point. Especially if you have your Vicks under your nose, so you you really can't smell the cadaver. And that that's the 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 least uh, my least favorite part of it. But but after I had not investigated a case in seven years, from uh, about ninety nine to uh, two thousand five, so about six years. Uh, that that next case that I investigated, it just was so gross to me, and I had such a difficult time dealing with it. Um, that um, that that switch, I guess, had been um, flicked back on, and and um, and all this stuff uh, had a, a real impact on me uh, in terms of just the the graphic nature of it, and and how how gross it is. Um, there was a six year, seven year time period prior to that that. Uh, you know, after dozens and dozens of these things, you, you just get numb to it. In my old days as a mainstream journalist, I ran to a couple of death scenes, once on Country Road in Vermont, another time in South Carolina, where I was at somebody's home. The victim had been stabbed in the back and was headfirst on a sofa. And what I saw, of course, was the police officers cracking sardonic jokes I guess to relieve the tension, it's what they had to do. Imagine being a medical examiner or, or a coroner in a big city. Uh, it, it just it boggles my mind that that people can actually have that as a life work. Uh, it, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough job, and somebody has to do it. But man, it must take a, a real steely constitution to be able to deal with that, and, and just the ultimate in professionalism. 
Can, can I wait, just pick up on that a little bit? Because I also have a lot of respect for that, that frontline worker. I work a lot with police and paramedics inside my classroom doing different educational components. And some of the stories they tell are, are absolutely just jaw-dropping. And, and as you say, it's an incredible constitution to do this work. And I, I have a lot of respect for those who, who are very professional in that area. But when you think about the regular person who sees something that they're not supposed to see, and, and say, for example, the trauma that's associated with that. I don't know if anybody, any of you have ever had you know, a very traumatic experience. I had a very traumatic experience when my father died. He drowned uh, in front of us up in northern Ontario uh, uh, in a lake. Uh, and the undertow took him out into a very large lake uh, area, and, and he disappeared in front of us. And I'll tell you, that trauma lasted for years for me. And just to connect it to the paranormal piece, like when you think of the frontline police officers, and I'm thinking specifically of, of uh, Dale Spar and the Portage, Ohio uh, piece, and then Shermer, uh, how both of them, you know, really completely destabilized because the thing that they had seen was literally too much for them. And, 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 and it had a real rattling effect. And then you combine that with the social isolation and, and you take a look at how witnesses are treated and how witnesses who have seen something that is just absolutely impossible and the impact that that has on an individual. I, I think we see that throughout the literature and I really feel that's something that needs you know, a, a better kind of address and, and, and they need to be treated differently instead of being mocked all the time uh, because these are, these are pioneering individuals who are having very radical experiences that I feel that we're dismissing as opposed to perhaps learning from them and maybe in the ways that we used to learn from them. And, and I do think that's something that, that repeats quite a bit and, mm-hmm. and I wish it wasn't that way really. I, I totally agree. And I've been saying for years that I feel that the experience is important, of course, but I think the impact on the experiencer is where a majority of the work really should be done instead of, you know, getting duration, azimuth, uh, uh, luminance, you know, all these wonderful scientific data points. I think the follow-up uh, work on a person that has had a paradigm shifting or life-changing experience to find out how that is, has impacted their emotional life, their relationships, how they view their reality, um, how open they are about these subjects, how, how closed down they become. Uh, these are the areas I think that, that there's a tremendous amount of of, of potential uh, information and insight that we can we can gain from from properly following up with these cases and looking at the experiencer and the impact of the experience on that person. Of course, this would fall into the whole idea of the valet control mechanism. Absolutely. How small little incremental events within the collective may have tremendous uh, impact in toto when you start adding them all up. And it's those individual little uh, points within the collective uh, that may be at linchpin places in their culture or in the time frame. And, and not enough work is being done studying uh, this particular aspect. And you, you point that out in, in many of your posts that, that, that it's this – this kind of force for the trees attitude, I think that the the investigation and research community has that they have these kind of blind spots and, and blinders on to uh, what could be very fertile ground for for just opening up a whole new level of awareness and understanding about these things. Well, you take a look at the nature of the society we live in. We're very consumed by our consumerism, our mundanity, our metal, our concrete. That world of the irrational creative impulse. Uh, that we've, we've really done a lot to kick that into the ground and, and stomp all over it. And when you think of days gone by, that irrational individual, be they schizophrenic, delusional, or whatever labels that we give them now, 
they were once upon a time the the shamans, the seers, the leaders, the the people who introduced new ideas to the tribe, to the group that shifted things. They were that anti-structure catalyst of change who saw something incredible, perhaps experienced something incredible, brought that back to the group, and it was used as a as a pivot point. You know, as, as a as a piece of learning and a way to go perhaps in a new direction. And you take a look at where we are now with the the irrational. And I'm thinking of you know the ship ship of fools mentality that that we used to have back in the day, where we would gather all the infirm and, and insane as we labeled them and throw them on on an old boat and send them down the the coastline, and they would land somewhere, and somebody would gather up the group from their village, add them to the boat, and and keep on shipping it. So at my age, if my ship comes in, I better watch out for it. <laughs> We have Burns State joining Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Friends, this is Alex Jones for MidasResources.com. For more than 15 years, I have exclusively used Midas Resources for all my precious metal needs. Whether it's bullion or collectibles you're looking for, Midas Resources is simply the best. I own my gold as a hedge against inflation. This Federal Reserve fiat currency could go the way of the Deutschmark and the Weimar Republic anytime. In these historically dangerous times, it makes sense to physically hold gold and silver. Midas already has some of the best deals in the industry. But if you give them a call and mention the radio special, they will give you a list of the day's super specials. Midas brokers are standing by to answer all your questions at 800-686-2237. They also have a lot of informative free literature explaining the opportunities and risk of holding precious metals. They are ready to answer your questions at 800-686-2237. Again, that's 800-686-2237. You pick up the receiver with your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead. You finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Jason! 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 Jason!
you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with the host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Hi, I'm George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM. I recently learned about a very unusual pharmacist who does not advocate use of prescription drugs, except in rare circumstances, say when powerful antibiotics are needed to kill a potentially lethal infection, such as pneumonia or staph. Instead, pharmacist Ben Fuchs from Boulder, Colorado, suggests always giving the body all the nutrients it needs to survive, thrive, escape illness, and live younger and longer. I don't think you will find anyone who knows more about how the body works and can explain it in such a delightful and entertaining way. Ben has recorded some very useful health nugget minutes that are available 24-7 online at criticalhealthnews.com. I invite you to log on to criticalhealthnews.com, listen to these pharmacist Ben health nuggets, and maybe even interact with Ben via chat or email. You're going to love Pharmacist Ben online at criticalhealthnews.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris, we have Robert, known to our forum members as Bernstein. Robert, how does your family identify you? Um, yeah, uh, I'm dad. Uh, I'm father. The dog uh, licks my face. That's his call to me, or sniffs my crotch. That's probably his happiest thing to do. And, uh, and my wife just calls me Rob. <laughs> so the presence on the forums does not impact her in any negative way. <laughs> No, no, no. She's very happy with the uh, the wage earning that I'm doing uh, right now and appreciates that I've taken on all of the kitchen duties. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I love cooking. Cooking is one of my biggest relaxation pieces uh, going. Yeah, me too. <laughs> surrounded by cookbooks. I love trying new foods. I love trying to cook new foods for the family. My daughter has gone on and off vegetarianism at various points in her life, and I've had to adapt and learn new things that way as well, which has been a, it's all been a very interesting, fun part of my, my life, really. Is your cooking drawn to any particular cuisine? I'm, I'm pretty all over the map, and I'm very interested in trying other cultures. My, my partner is Chinese, so I've learned a lot of different Asian uh, uh, cooking styles uh, from her. Sushi. Adopted that. I, we used to make sushi all the time. We would go find ourselves a nice hunk of tuna from the market and uh, bring that home and carve it up. Um, so, But I'm, I'm willing to try anything. I'll, I'll try anything from any culture. I've really been interested in kind of Middle Eastern uh, food and other spices and uh, trying to come up with new things. I get as a regular piece, I teach a group of kids called uh, the IB program, the International Baccalaureate program. And these kids, like my school, actually come from, from all over the world. So I always ask them at the end of every semester, I don't want your mom's recipe in a cookbook. I want your mom's mom's recipe. Give me the best ones, your favorites. Let's put them together. And, and I use that as my next round of cooking for the next year. Wow, what a great idea. So is there perhaps a burnt state restaurant in your future? Oh, I would love that as a retirement piece, right? More like a B&B thing where I just get to cook whatever I want. I'm not interested in taking orders from people, but I'd be happy to say, here, eat this. It's good for you. It's a moose steak. <laughs> it, well, I just had some moose, actually. A friend of mine just uh, sent some uh, moose up. My brother uh, brought it here. He, he killed one up in the Sault, north of Sault Ste. Marie, where I originally come from. And I have to tell you, that moose it's steak uh, was delicious. the best meat I've had in yeah. a long time. If it's done right. 
Absolutely. It was wonderful. It's like the ultimate pot roast. (laughs) (laughs) No insult intended, but to my wife, moose is something she puts in her hair. (laughs) (laughs) You can't eat a hair product. (laughs) So I take it then that you do not encourage your family to partake in any paranormal studies. I, I, I'll be honest, I, I don't encourage it at all. And uh, and as I say, I come across as being pretty critical and skeptical on, on most pieces. And so the few things that they do hear me uh, speak about these is, is actually is, is critical pieces and not those ones where I am like totally jaw dropped and going, what just, how is that possible? You know, and I kind of save that, I'll be honest, uh, for the Paracast. And I found a, a collection of uh, peers on the forum where I can engage in that dialogue. And I think that's a better and healthier place. I can you know, pick and choose who you want to engage in the dialogue with and follow a really interesting creative set of ideas because there's always so many amazing characters that are there uh, that really drive the form environments. Uh, uh, I've really enjoyed it there, and that's where really I I spend my time in terms of discussing paranormal pieces. And I suppose you've seen some of the characters who come on in there and post messages not to convey information, but maybe to cause a bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen the troll event happen on a number of occasions. It's a curious phenomenon. I've met a few of the people who are some of the nastier posters online, and they come across as real pussycats in person. But as soon as they get this cloak of anonymity, they become other people. They become Mr. Hyde or Miss Hyde. Yeah, they, they certainly can be. And, and I know from working with youth uh, around issues of bullying online and, and why do kids bully and why do they feel more empowered when they're behind a screen and not face to face, you can imagine a lot of the stuff that gets spoken uh, to each other, or at least the nasty stuff that you see on forums sometimes would never happen in a bar <laughs> with two people up against each other unless they were prepared to really slug it out. And, and is it even worth it when you take a look at what the discussion piece is? And, and I chalk it up to this, I'll be honest, not everybody lives a very happy life or feels content or has discovered, you know, a Zen way of, of being. And I think a lot of people have a lot of anger issues and, and difficulty and, and complexity to their life. And, and, and it's really easy to scapegoat that, that uh, other individual that you don't know and use that perhaps as an avenue or a funnel to air your griefs or your anger or, or whatever it is. And I think it's also very easy to explode, you know, and pick on really little things and think that somebody else is picking on you. And, and really, you know, what, what we do know from that kind of behavior and that discussion is, is that that's really about how people feel about themselves. And it's about how people have their own personal difficulties. And and so I try not to engage in those discussions or encourage that discussion at all and uh, and try to move on to other topics, really. Yeah, it's quite sad that some of these people really get so bent out of shape over the most inconsequential issues. Well, I, I don't think there's, you know, anything worth that you need to get that excited and emotional about. I mean, it, it's a forum, people. And, yeah, and I think really. I'm sure many of us have real lives <laughs> that have more important people that are right in front of us, you know, real life, living flesh and, and blood people that we should be really investing our time and emotion into. So, so why add extra, you know, e- emotion and negativity to your life? Work stress is enough already. Being alive in the 21st century is pretty difficult. It's something that's supposed to be fun and entertaining and, and relaxing. relaxing. Why, why should you bring so much emotion? to that. I I question that sometimes, and and I wish people would just relax a little bit more. Let's get back to the forums, of course. Obviously, those who get bent out of shape, what we do is we urge them or force them to take a brief vacation or a permanent vacation. So let's look at some of the more interesting forum posts that you've handled on the forums, Robert. 
you know, I saw a, a post there from from Stagger Lee asking about, you know, the burnt shingles. And was that not, in fact, evidence of a physical craft there? And, and when you look at Valet's, you know, breakdown of it, I think he identifies three specific components. You know, there's the, the idea of a, a physical craft, something that maybe pings off radar, that maybe leaves impressions on grounds or burns shingles. Um, there's the phenomenon itself uh, that is witnessed. That, uh, that the witness goes through it, whatever it is that they see or feel and experience. And then the third component is the sociological aftermath of it all. And, and I really like the idea of breaking it down into those three pieces. And I know there's a pretty famous interview between him and, and Jerry Clark, you know, characters who've been diametrically opposed at various points in their, their discussions around uh, ufology. And and Clark is trying to get him to say, you know, is it not a physical object? You know, it's a real object that's that's out there. And um, and Valet is trying to say, well, we see these physical effects, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it is purely physical. It's it's both. He says, right, that it can be can be both. And and he cites some pretty classic examples of objects dissolving that appear to be solid and then seem to disappear into the into the ether. And you know whether or not that those craft that 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 I saw that you know burned those shingles and burned that tree did they create the impression of that do they have i I imagine they've got the energy the technology the ability to do whatever they want do they leave a mark for me to look at is it bait of some kind or are we being lured into this area for for other purposes you know and so i I question the concept of the, the physical nature of it i know that there's a lot of examples of that and what i would say whatever it is i think the ufo um uh, conundrum is, is a highly complex conundrum, especially as it connects to abductions. It's a, it's a very complex piece. And, and I don't think we can say simple things like it's the ETH or it's the IDH. I think that it's something we really don't have a handle on as of yet. All we can do is describe it and describe its components. We have a lot more to come. We're talking to Burnt State with Gene and with Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of hb extract it's extremely effective 
and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV Hey, guess what? They've got some great deals for Valentine's Day at Guns80.com. They're calling it the Sweetheart Special. Guns80.com has lowered the price way down to 400 bucks up until Valentine's Day. Order your Ghost AR-15 now. Tell your sweetheart that this is the right gift at the right time. Buy one for yourself. Buy one for your sweetheart, too. Your sweetheart will thank you for being so tuned into his or her needs. Get a brand new Ghost AR-15 right now for 400 bucks. Heck, buy two. His and hers. Go to guns80.com or call and ask for the sweetheart deal. Love is in the air at guns80.com. Call now, 844-2-GUNS-80. That's 844-248-6780. It's a sweetheart of a deal. Actually, it's a steal at 400 bucks. So call guns80.com at 844-2-GUNS-80. But hurry, supplies are limited. Call 844-2-GUNS-80 or get your Ghost AR-15 today at guns80.com on the web. Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. This week, we're presenting one of our most knowledgeable and prolific forum posters, Ben State. And one of the subjects that comes up in the UFO field very often is whether some or all of the recent sightings are the result of test equipment from the military or private industry. There could be a possibility. You know, I looked at one point into, you know, are the ships that we're seeing perhaps just advanced human technology experimental pieces? I think some people have posted about, you know, Rendlesham as being perhaps some type of holographic experimental uh, piece testing the security of of the peoples uh, there. And, and I kind of looked at, you know, our, our hologram technology over the, the decades, and, and I don't really see a capacity there to do the things that that we're seeing uh, that's being reported i think there's something much more sophisticated uh, taking place than any human technology uh that's at work and and i would imagine that whatever is behind the the ufo experience has the ability it seems to not only manipulate our our own perhaps experience and, and response to it or or maybe we are somehow hardwired in a way that does respond to whatever that external stimulus is to kind of produce the things that 
that we do. And, and maybe, you know, we go from culture to culture, we see different kinds of craft, we go from culture to culture, we see different kinds of aliens, uh, depending on what kind of, you know, pharmacology you're putting into your mind, you also might see these different kinds of aliens uh, as well. So I, I'm kind of leaning towards this notion that there's something about us and, and about our neurochemistry that is responding to an external stimulus that makes us see what we see. The, the idea of it being solid and, and physical, that's, that's a conundrum, and I, and I leave it to Jerry Clark's kind of, you know, final statement about the, the luminal experience. You know, there's those hardcore cases that we have trace evidence of, but most of the stuff that we've got really is alive only in the minds of the witness and the, and the experiencer, and, and there is no proof for it anywhere else, and even that real physical proof is pretty hard to come by. But what about the trace evidence factor? Isn't that an indication of something that is solid, that can be identified? I mean, with the radar tracking, we realize any kind of signal might trigger the radar. But what about trace evidence? Yeah, well, you know, when you listen to Valet's explanation of it, as he's trying to explain to Jerry, look, this is how I'm thinking about it, uh, he says, well, it's very easy for this phenomenon, perhaps, to create that trace evidence, to, to leave that there behind, right? To leave the impression of, of here we are, we are perhaps craft from another, you know, galaxy or, or even in some of the abduction lore, you know, we hear the tales of, oh, you know, we're from the third galaxy over here, we're Tetonians or whatever, you know, you hear all these different uh, kind of tales that uh, I don't know if we can actually say it's, it's a real physical piece. Even with the, the radar pieces, what we can say, and this is uh, Valet's position, is there's enough energy behind whatever it is that gives that ability or that capacity to create that. And, and it seems like there's almost a heightened awareness on whatever it is that's behind the UFO experience that we have very minimal, you know, examples of, of something that's really uh, graspable that we can say, oh, here we go. Here's the, the trace evidence. You know, we've got these few radar pieces. We've got these few examples of landings uh, here and there. We have very few kind of sightings. And what we most often have is an individual sighting as opposed to a kind of collective or, or a group sighting. And those group sightings do seem to be about something very physical manifesting in our environment, uh, but whether it has that ability to move in and out of three-dimensional solid matter uh, and perhaps can participate in, in other types of reality that humans themselves are just completely oblivious to. Let, let's face it, we're uh, a species living on planet Earth that has a certain set of uh, sensory uh, capacities that, that allow us to do the things we do and participate in the reality the way we do it. And we don't even handle, have a handle fully on that. And I think most people don't even know that the 90% of what you see when you're looking is, is a pre-recorded event happening inside of your brain. You know, that's your brain that's already, you know, captured these visual images and your fovea centralis, the focus of your eye, oh, you're getting that 10% that's coming off of that. But everything else is playback. And if everything else is playback, and, you know, and we're suddenly confronted with things that we don't understand that we've never seen before and we're trying to focus in on that, well, well, maybe our brain just searches through the files like it does in dreams and says, well, here, I think what you're looking at right now is this. And it conjures up a spaceman or conjures up a UFO or could be a cigar-shaped one or a saucer. It depends on whatever might be in your memory space. Still, I wonder about the stories that appear in the press and how suddenly we get these waves of UFO and paranormal events. 
you know, when we talk about those wave sightings, right, and something gets reported in the news, and then suddenly there's a whole collection of those similar reports that unfold. A lot of these things are planted. We're, we're definitely in this information age, and 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 Belly again kind of talks about that idea of the the role. You know, the control system is about the impact of the mythology. You know, that that it's participating somehow in our in our active mythology, and it is constructing itself along the lines of these very familiar narratives that we pass on to each other. And now we're busy passing those narratives on in the digital environment. So to me, it's not a wonder that a lot of people see a lot of similar stuff. And I think we should actually be investigating those pieces a little bit more clearly. And I know when you had Greg Bishop on, you were talking a bit about the uh, DMT uh, piece and, and some of the commonalities that are there that, that link up with abduction experiences. I think we should be spending a lot more time understanding our, our neurochemistry uh, how it is that our, our brains actually work and how it's responding perhaps to these anomalous stimuli. So maybe it is, as has been speculated, that UFOs and other phenomenon, it's a case of misdirection, like the magician says, look over here, but while you're looking over here, the real thing is happening over there instead, but you're not seeing it. <laughs> You know, there's a, a line that my wife uh, uses all the time whenever she says that, you know, people are being distracted too much by something that's superficial. Uh, it's called uh, dancing on the stage of God. You know, that, that really we're, we're missing what's actually really going on. That, that discussion, that debate about getting the signatures, that, that, that thing where we believe that, oh, a ship crashed and the government knows all about it and they're hiding this technology uh, from us, all of that to me is all red herring uh, material. I think perhaps there's something much more complex, sophisticated, that, that very well could be very happy, perhaps on one hand, that, that we're caught up in this, this endless loop of trying to get the government to disclose information that they probably don't know anything about at all. Uh, so I think for, on one hand, maybe we're being distracted in some way. And I think out of that line of thinking, you do get, you know, maybe, um, you know, the crypto terrestrial hypothesis or that thought experiment from Mac Tony's that says, well, maybe we need to start thinking along different lines. Or I think as Chris described uh, with uh, Greg Bishop again, where he says, you know, when, when you're told to look in one direction, you'll see great things. He turns around and looks in the other. And I, and I think we need to make those anti-structure pieces part of understanding the UFO experience as well, too, that it's not a simplistic piece about ships coming from another galaxy crashing there. There's something else going on that's much stranger than that. There's just too much of it, too much variation. It just doesn't make sense. And I think that the universe is probably a lot stranger than the simple narratives we've used to explain ufology. So tell me, Burn State, what did, if anything, crash at Roswell? You know, I don't think anybody quite really knows about that. I think what's interesting about what crashed at Roswell is the endless amount of different stories, you know, whether it's Redfern's maybe three or four different versions of it that he's constructed or, or Mosley's comment on the flower tape that's there. I don't think we can know. I think what, when we talk about something like Roswell, we, we've moved past the discussion of evidence and understanding what took place. Now we're dealing with Roswell, sociological Roswell, and, and we're dealing with the aftermath of... Of, of things like big conventions and people wearing alien costumes and, and tinfoil hats and, um, and people perhaps using it as a different kind of a mechanism. And, I, and I, I think it's the wrong mechanism, to be honest. I understand people need to have a good laugh and entertain themselves uh, with it. But I think what we're looking at with Roswell now is more of the effects of the idea of Roswell. As, and I don't think we'll ever understand anything about it at all. Yeah. I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think it's fair to say in this day and age that we'll never, ever discover the secret about Roswell. We'll just get 
tantalizing stories. And by the way, they're supposed to be this coming week a press conference where they're going to reveal these slides from 1947, allegedly, that show an alien. Well, we'll have to see how that works out. A reminder, we have a free book for you, a free ebook, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley from Chris O'Brien. To get a copy, go to thepowercast.com. That's thepowercast.com. Sign up for our free weekly newsletter, and we'll email you a copy of the ebook version of Chris's book, Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, in a few days. We have Burnt State here with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TechNightOwl for a special discount. Did you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-205-8110. In clinical trials, the ingredient in Super Beta Prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This Super Beta Prostate-free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-205-8110. That's 1-800-205-8110. Call 1-800-205-8110. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can guess a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now, get your supplies organized and meet me down at the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. 
For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Now, maybe you've noticed that Chris's voice sounds a wee bit different. Maybe not quite as raspy. That's because, oh, around 10 days ago, he gave up smoking. Congratulations, brother. Big accomplishment. Yeah, 40 years uh, in my lungs. Whoa. <laughs> decided that um, it was time. Wow. Good good for you. That's a hard one. I, I know I didn't uh, give up. Uh, it took a long time for me to give up. I needed to have a really good reason. And uh, remember when my dad died, he hated the fact that I smoked. He had given it up years before. And I that wasn't a reason for me to give up. But as soon as I found out we were pregnant with our daughter, yeah. uh, I quit smoking that day. And I haven't looked back since. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm doing, doing really good. I'm not off nicotine. I'm still chewing some gum well, occasionally. And I've got my e-cigarette if I really need to suck on something, but in terms of actually lighting up and smoking carbon monoxide and tar, I've uh, cut that out. There was some humps there, but uh, I'm over the hump and feeling good. I wanted to bring up uh, a point that we were starting to kind of veer towards, and that was um, uh, you know trace evidence and hard hard data science. And one case that you don't hear about very much that has always really fascinated me and. If you talk to, you know, Ted Phillips is widely considered to have the uh, the largest database of, of trace evidence cases, which I think is up to 7,000, 8,000 uh, at this point, probably more. But the 1971 Delphos, Kansas case uh, has always intrigued me as being an incredibly important case that is that is largely overlooked by the mainstream in ufology. We're talking about fluorescing material that uh, fluoresced uh, for many hours. Mm-hmm. Um, soil effects that uh, were demonstrated for years afterward. Um, it, just an amazing case. And I, I urge any of our listeners who really would like to dive into a uh, one of the best trace evidence cases that is, to my knowledge, has yet to be even closely, uh, even close to being debunked, is the 1971 Delphos case uh, from Kansas, D-E-L-P-H-O-S. Kansas. Uh, it's an amazing case. And and if we had, <laughs> unfortunately, it doesn't seem like they land very often now. Uh, you, you, we just don't have the quality of, of you know, landing cases that, that we had back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, it seems that that uh, the more popular the subject gets, the more at arm's length these, these crafts seem to be. So uh, anyway, that's a, that's a good uh, little research project for anybody out there. But we're so very stuck in the old 
theories about UFOs that have persisted for so many years, that they're really spaceships from some planetary system, maybe orbiting another star. So is there a way to ever work around that prevailing view? Um, I, I think that, uh, that, that it, it, is a, it is a conundrum that, that we're in. And, I, and I'm actually, I, I remember reading about the Delphos case and the luminance uh, that was there. Um, I, I'm not too sure about where we go from here, uh, to be honest. I think we're kind of caught in a real rut around how we think about it because we're, we're living with that old paradigm of it's a craft from, from outer space. Uh, I think Chris brings up a very interesting point that we don't seem to have those juicy, chunky cases around that we could really sink, I guess, maybe a kind of a contemporary science in on it. Uh, the case for me that really boggles my brain that, that I go back to that uh, we, we discussed a bit on the, on the forums is the, uh, the Pierre uh, Fortunato-Zanfreda abduction series. Uh, that one really trips me out entirely, and it had also has some very good physical evidence uh, pieces there, and it would be just so wonderful to be able to turn maybe contemporary science onto that and, and see if we can change the way that we think about it. But I think first to do that, we really need to honor the witness in, in society and, and be able to have a, a different approach to them so that the information that we're taking in from them is, is treated with a little bit more care and compassion and, and assistance, really, because you take a look at, at how uh, their lives descend after after they report such incredible things. And, and in Fortunato's uh, case, right in Z the Zanfreda case, we even have a suicide that shows up in the middle of that because somebody was so affected by what they saw. They're not even the main participant in it. They're, there's somebody that's that's driving during the fourth abduction and seeing lights in the sky, and it, and it, it, it drove them to, to a pretty dark space. Why don't you give uh, some of our new listeners uh, a, a thumbnail sketch of that particular series of events? Because um, it isn't uh, as well known uh, here in this country as it as it is uh, in the country of origin. It's a, it's a mind blowing case from from 1978. Uh, he's a 26-year-old uh, night watchman who uh, one night uh, goes out to investigate a, a house, and as he's there patrolling the grounds with his flashlight, he feels a tap on his shoulder, and standing behind him is I think he describes it's at least a 10-foot you know creature, a kind of lizard-like, undulating green flesh with a, a box on its mouth that it's supposedly breathing with pointy things coming out the side of his. Uh, face and blasts him with a, a, a huge chunk of heat and he is found following that by um, uh, other uh, night watchmen come out and they find him lying on the ground. He bolts up with his gun and flashlight ready to attack them. They, they tackle him and grab him. His body is still warm even though it's freezing cold out. It's one o'clock at night. Uh, his body is still super warm and this begins a series of abductions that include these kind of same pieces with the heat uh, and intensity. In one case, he is found where he claims that the car was driving itself and he's crashed. And, and again, people show up on the scene uh, there and uh, his, the car is cooking. You know, it's like, like it had been out in the blazing sun. And again, it's like a rainy night. Himself is, is very, very hot and dry despite the rain. And the inside of the car is like an oven. These incidents seem to continue until there's one incident where, where four people were also chasing, you know, the lights that they had seen. And, and he's transported on a motorcycle to the top of a mountain that nobody saw him, you know, uh, get to. And, and following that incident, the one uh, person does, does kill themselves. Uh, he goes under sodium pentothal and, and recounts all of these uh, pieces. 
people are completely, you know, uh, cannot understand how these things could be real. And most people who investigate him, uh, interrogate him, uh, arrive at the notion that these things must really be happening. And, and he's telling uh, people that, that they want him, they want to take him. They want to take him away and that he's, he's not going to come back. And he tells the officers, you know, I, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to leave everybody behind. In one incident, he is beamed up onto their ship. He's been, he sees the checkered man, right, the man in the checkered shirt at one incident, and then he's transported up onto a cloud, beamed into a ship. In the ship, the same characters are there. Uh, they are showing him different things. There's like a frogman, you know, the frogman story. Uh, there, there's a frogman in a tube that they say is one of their enemies. They've got a bird-like alien there, a caveman. And they tell him that he's very special, that they need to use him. And they give him, a, I think, a transparent sphere. And inside of it is an electric glowing pyramid. And they tell him that uh, with this object, you will be able to explain to humans, you know, how they, how they live and what's really going on. In, in their lives. And they, they said they're from the planet Titonia. Now, outside some of the actual cases where they find his body and near his car, there are actual physical footprints that were, I think, 20 inches long by 10 inches. They're enormous. You can see pictures of them online. It's absolutely outstanding as far as a case goes. It's very disturbing and debilitating. And I think for him as an individual over the course of about two and a half years, he had no less than, I think, at least six or seven incidents. Uh, with these same aliens who told him at one point uh, were coming back in greater numbers, uh, which never really seemed to happen. But he did have that series of incidents across two years. And it seems to take us away from the idea of just something that's delusional or a schizophrenic episode. It seems to be something much more concrete and specific, doesn't it? Of course, you can never trust E.T. They promise they'll come back and they never do. They talk about possible future events and they never occur. They're inconsistent from one to the other. But the problem here is the naive nature of the acceptance of what these higher beings allegedly tell you. Hmm. Well, and one begins to wonder, you know, are all these, the, the, the stories that seem to be in conflict with each other, nothing really does seem to sync up. I think what syncs up is it syncs up in the mind of maybe the paranormal investigator who's decided this is the theory I'm going to work with, and I'm going to force all the evidence into this slot, and I'm going to shave off the parts that don't seem to make sense. But when you talk to perhaps more rigorous investigators like somebody like Chris Rakowski, um, you know, I'm reading his, um, his book, Abductions and Aliens, the, what's really going on uh, right now. And in there he identifies, you know, there, there's no common theme. There's no common thread. It's a bunch of lies, paradoxes, uh, weird statements, and you really can't make much sense out of any of it at all. And that takes us to the worst part of the problem with regard to the UFO enigma. Can we ever at any time make any sense of this phenomenon? I mean, there are so many permutations. Some of the excuses used by investigators is that, sure, you'll have different types of craft because maybe they come from different places, different planets. We'd like you to visit plus.thepowercast.com. That's plus.thepowercast.com, P-L-U-S dot thepowercast.com. And check it out. Subscribe to our new Powercast Plus service. What's this about? Well, if you sign up, and we have monthly subscriptions, annual subscriptions, five-year subscriptions. You get an ad-free version of this show in a higher-resolution copy, so everything is crisper and cleaner, even those bad cell phone connections. And you get the exclusive After the Powercast podcast, plus.thepowercast.com. With Gene and Chris, you're in. The Powercast. CN. Proudly sponsored by UnseenNow.com. Find out how to stop Big Brother in his tracks at UnseenNow.com. This is GCN.
This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We are in the final four segments of our visit with Burnt State, Robert, one of our most prolific forum posters, at forum.theparacast.com. And if you want to participate, by the way, you go to our forum, forum.theparacast.com. You sign up. You could use your Twitter or Facebook name to make the process easier. Here's Chris with some questions from listeners. Well, uh, Dissection Stalker has um, some very um, elaborate uh, posts that, that I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> make heads or tails of them in terms of trying to come up with a punchy question. But one of the things that he's really interested in is this whole idea of a space-time continuum knowledge base, um, like some sort of other is out there that's required to complete uh, some sort of like educational process, let's say, or you've read, read through the I questions. I, yeah. I really, I'm not sure exactly how to sum all this up into a question. Basically he points out when Greg Bishop was on recently that, um, that the, perhaps these phenomena, he says phenomena in singular, but I think phenomena is something common to the planet like wind or, or it's, it's some sort of has an elemental presence and um, that it may have some sort of internal component. Now, we've, we've touched on this now um, already in the show, but, but he, he wants you to elaborate, pontificate, and give us your best understandings that you can muster at this space-time continuum element on this. 
um, he he calls those other things um, like the keys to these kingdoms. Yeah. So I'm I'm not exactly sure what he's getting at, but why don't you try to address this particular Jungarian construct that we're somehow connected with it, and it's it. it it seems symbiotic. It seems that it needs us as much as we need it. And for what purpose, um, possibly? Is it is it for growth? Is it for um, deeper understanding? Is it for uh, some sort of educational thing? W- what's your thoughts? Well, uh, we've heard that phrase repeatedly on the Paracast. UFOs are, are here to make us think, and and I and, and I do think that that really is perhaps a the best that we can take out of uh, the UFO experience. I, I really loved Greg's comment about the idea that that whatever it is could be as, as common as as the wind, and and that and and when you start to connect some of these other new strains and, and thoughts that are taking place in ufology, I think there's a lot more d- a deeper appreciation to what's the role of neurochemistry. Uh, inside the the UFO experience, specifically the the abduction experience, uh, there seems to be some very specific patterns that take place. Uh, it includes the idea of fear. Uh, fear seems to induce maybe a spontaneous bursts from the the pineal gland. All sorts of chemistry starts flooding through our body, and the idea of a spontaneous DMT burst. Um, I think there's something we should be investigating that because we know that when we look at those those uh, people who have taken, you know, Strassman's experiments on DMT. And I think the one character that, that's doing some very interesting writing about this, his name is, I think it's David Luke. Uh, he's coming out of England and, and he's really consolidating all this kind of work into some very interesting discussion around the connection between paranormal and pharmacology and, and, and the neurochemistry uh, experience. We know from the DMT users uh, that they see four types of, of characters. I think there's the machine elves, there's the gray aliens, there's the, the reptoids that are covered with jewels, and I think there's like some toasty brown characters or, or, or something like that. So you have to ask yourself, well, why is that happening? Is this something about our, our brain? Are we being turned into, towards, and being able to see an experience that maybe is very common, that is part of our, our planetary experience, part of our planetary existence, and, and the drug is just unlocking that door and allows us now to be participants in this environment that normally is secluded from us because of the nature of our chemistry and, and how our perceptions work? That idea of the space-time continuum, when we think of the hallucinogenic experience, maybe the writings of Terence McKenna and others who, who follows the, the entheogen role in our lives, you know, whether it's that shamanistic role or it's that idea of the transformative collective experience, the fact that people who are share, for example, in, in certain drugs and do it together, do share uh, the visions as well, too, at the same time. Certainly, these all seem to be clues that are leading us towards some other kind of understanding of, of what might these, you know, th- those elementals, you know, that's what Heineck resided on at the end of the day, was that, you know, I think they're elementals. I think they've always been with us. There's something that's right. just behind that cloak. Well, I finally got through to him. <laughs> well, well, here's here's one. Uh, here's an idea. It just kind of uh, came to me as you were talking. Perhaps there's some sort of trigger mechanism that something other has the ability to create some sort of trigger mechanism or utilize a trigger mechanism that inadvertently or by design allows our own bodies to dump, naturally produce DMT into our systems, which then uh, facilitate and appear to uh, manifest some sort of, um, of hallucinatory or or real effects uh, that the brain is perceiving. Perhaps it's tearing away part of the veil, allowing us to see something, or perhaps it's it's exposing, you know, a covered up ability that we have to uh, of perception, or perhaps it's actually creating an effect within our mind 
and sort of creating this this weird cause and effect loop. I really do think that it is something along those lines, and that if we can perhaps maybe separate some of the really uh, clinical experiences where perhaps people are in fact schizophrenic, are in fact delusional, and are claiming alien abduction, I think if we can separate those from these other very similar hallucinatory schizoid uh, events, we do seem to see those pieces happen. First, there is the fear. Something has introduced fear inside of the environment. Fear seems to create a, a physiological response inside of us. And we enter into that panic attack, that hallucinogenic experience. If people have ever had either of those before, they know they, that reality shifts, reality breaks, and their entire experience of reality alters. And I think that perhaps something is being lifted uh, at that moment that does allow us to to participate in something else. And, and I do believe there is an external stimulus of, of some sort, whatever that is. Uh, but I do think it's in, inducing that kind of an experience for us. Again, I, I you know we have to be careful to uh, to lump uh, the reaction of a particular uh, witness into particular emotional categories because I've had like let's say a multiple witness case where most people actually are in a state of wonder and excitement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe one or two are in a state of fear and panic and paranoia. So it seems to to separate out into you tend to revert to primal sort of emotional states, whether it's fear, whether it's elation, whether it's wonder, whether it's paranoia. Um, but they seem to there seem there doesn't really seem to be much middle ground. Um, you know, occasionally you'll you'll get somebody that looks at it and goes, yeah, so what? You know, mm-hmm. it's a big ship hanging there, big deal. Right. You know, I mean, those are the the rare. Once, but I have encountered people in groups uh, where some people said, "Yeah, I saw it. It wasn't a big deal." Oh, yeah, the Space Brothers came down to say hello. Oh, yuck, yuck, yuck. You know, and it was like nothing. It's like maybe a school bus just drove by or something. Sure. And while other people are having these life-altering experiences where they're, they're they they think they've been uh, uh, selected for some uh, special message, or other people are so in fear that they go hide under a car. Uh, in one case. <laughs> So maybe it is the individual and the and the quality and in the quality of the emotional response that that again uh, may be at play here that that could be crucial uh, for further understanding. I, I agree completely with that. I mean, I know from even just in the Ouija experience, some people would get freaked out. Uh, some would think it was very normal. The one person. Uh, had a complete total breakdown in front of us and was uh, in hysterical fits and screaming and could, and felt like reality had broken uh, for her in that moment. And it took us hours to calm that individual down. And so I do think that perhaps either biologically or neurochemically, we might all be wired differently. I would be concerned about that idea of feeling selected. Uh, I think that pr- path perhaps lies is a dangerous route uh, to go. I don't think people should be thinking like that. But perhaps just because of the way that we are uh, biologically, and we're all biologically very very different, uh, that in fact the effects might range uh, dramatically for each individual when confronted with these uh, rare anomalous uh, stimuli. Yeah. Someone with worthiness issues that all of a sudden has been selected by the Space Brothers, that could do, you know, that could actually be psychologically very um, uh, healing for them because then all of a sudden instead of, you know, having self-worthiness issues, all of a sudden they feel like they're worthy, uh, you know, obviously that can, you know, that can go to a place that's unhealthy, um, and they start cults and uh, do group suicides and that sort of thing. But, <laughs> but there could be a positive upside. Or maybe you shouldn't believe ET, as we say. We have Burnt State with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
Listeners, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues, no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1 855 340 SAVE. That's 1 855 340 7283, or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. On Facebook, on the news, and in conversations with friends, we're bombarded every day with advice on how to be healthier, from gluten-free and non-GMO diets to how much exercise and sleep the body needs. But how much have you heard about alkalizing the body? AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are a holistic and natural way to get your body's pH levels back in balance. Just a few drops in water will help your body rid itself of harmful waste. And even the healthiest of diets can be complemented with your daily use of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Who isn't looking for more vibrance, vigor, and energy? Now buy two bottles of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops and get $10 off your order. Visit AlkaVision.com or call 800-518-7615. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops are packed with a powerful combination of the most alkaline minerals and compounds. Open the door to greater health, vitality, and zest for life. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health. Call 800-518-7615 or head to AlkaVision.com. 
We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. We have Bernd State joining us on the Paracast this week. A reminder to visit plus.theparacast.com. That's plus.theparacast.com to learn about the Paracast Plus, our new subscription service, where you can also get a copy of our other show after the Paracast at plus.theparacast.com. So let's look at ET or the higher beings or whoever or whatever it is. Do they care about us one way or the other, Burnt State? I think I sided with the notion that I think it's pretty indifferent and, and agnostic for the most part. It's it's our individual response that seems to build it into into something else altogether. And, and and just to pick up on the point Chris had in that last segment about the idea of you know our coping mechanisms, Rakowski in his Abductions and Aliens book talks about certain individuals who, in the middle of their schizophrenic breakdown, believe they are having uh, complete communion with aliens. They're seeing them. They're walking with them. They're taking them to. to school, they're helping them study for, for tests, etc. And, and what you're seeing inside those moments from a clinical perspective is, is this person has created a coping mechanism inside their own mind in order to deal with the situation. And, and that's why I think it's really important that we, we treat witnesses very carefully because in some cases I think witnesses need specific types of medical attention. They don't need hypnotic regression. They need you know a psychiatrist that they can perhaps talk to who is not going to judge their experience and perhaps may able to help them sort out the idea of what's happening in their minds versus what's happening in reality. Now, now without I still want to reserve, though, that, that opportunity that there are, in fact, real things that are happening, like the Zanfretta case, which I think is, is a very disturbing and, and complex case that seems to point towards, in fact, actual contact with, a, with another alien uh, being of some sort. And I think in, in those cases, we also need to have that care and concern for that individual because they're negotiating something that perhaps very few people on Earth have ever negotiated, and, and we need to perhaps get a better handle on what's actually happening. I think there's a lot of learning that we could be gaining that, that we're missing out on altogether with with those events. Yeah, I'd be very careful throwing psychiatry into this particular realm. Uh, I I would suggest more of a counselor psychology uh, approach as opposed to one that's reliant on on drugs. Although, if someone has obviously has an incredibly traumatic experience, then then obviously, then some sort of mood stabilizing uh, could probably help. But, but I think for people to talk through um, these things um, yeah. is really important. And um, early on in my investigative uh, process, uh, two or three years in, where I was uh, talking to just you know, at this point probably several hundred people, I realized that that what people were gaining from me was. Um, a sympathetic ear, someone that they could actually talk to about this stuff and get get certain emotional uh, issues um, dealt with in a in a safe uh, environment to someone that was not going to judge them and and uh, question their sanity, but someone that was there to listen and possibly give them some feedback. And uh, the, the whole reason, for instance, that I was asked to come up to the Sherman Ranch was for that very purpose. For instance, uh, for the, that infamous Skinwalker Ranch case. When you start dealing with paradigm-shifting events and the effect they have on people, they don't know where to turn, they don't know who to talk to, and they're very, you know, all these uh, social 
blockages um, are raised uh, around them, and they, they have a real hard time coming up with some recourse, uh, where they can turn, who they can turn to. And I think getting it off their chest, being able to talk about it, being able to, to be in a judgmental space with somebody uh, who they trust is, is the most important thing. Then you can maybe talk about the psychiatrists and the and stabilizing their moods and uh, you know putting them on Prozac, whatever it is that these uh, people do. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of that kind of pharmacology at all either, in terms of you know regulating people that way. But I can also recognize that some of these experiences can put people in such incredible states where they're just beside themselves. And I think we see this often in the literature where an individual said something very fantastic happened to them. And then it seems as we look at them as they go on, they start to descend even further into yeah. perhaps other flights of fancy. And, and now they really are in, are in trouble. Um, and yeah. I know I'm spending time with uh, a friend of mine, two uh, major schizophrenic uh, breakdowns. And the second time it happened, uh, he was with his, his friends and in a city of people that knew him. And we all agreed together we were not going to let him get drugged again uh, and be put on these terrible, terrible uh, things that just racked his body and, and destroyed him. And we decided we would engage in talk therapy and we did 24 hour around the clock attention with him and and being with him for some people was very difficult their experience was very similar to as if they had seen the alien because talking to someone in an altered state whose reality is very very different is i think very shocking for people and, and i can see how you can pull other people into your delusion you can help break their reality down too but i think if you're sane enough and have a handle on things i found talking with them to be very exciting actually and very interesting and, and very sad but i do know that it was through our constant conversations that he was able to find uh, a way back to the world that we were all participating in and, and get over the thing that was troubling him he was engaging in some pretty hectic stuff, man. He was showing me what was going on in the basement. He was building bombs out of cardboard boxes and, and different things. And then he took me to this one room. It was like an old apartment house downtown uh, Toronto. And there was a series of different kind of strange wallpapers. And he had set up a chair in the center with a light shining on it. And he said, this is the interrogation room. <laughs> he had to know that he was interrogating wow. himself. And I think that's part of the experience, these altered experiences, is our brain is allowed to split. We can't hear voices. We can't talk to ourselves. And sometimes that gets out of hand and creates whole new personalities. And I do believe the trauma of any kind of traumatic experience can produce such effects, whether it's the UFO experience or it's watching somebody die. I, I think that those traumas need that level of counseling that Chris is talking about, where we've got to give people real care. And They're then you do have true chemical imbalances that need to be dealt with directly. And, and you know, pharmacology has come a long way in that regard, but we really have to be careful in the paranormal realm or the ufological realm. We really have to be extremely careful about maintaining a, a systematic approach of how to counsel people and how to refer them on to professionals that are, that are going to deal with them in a non-judgmental fashion. And those are few and far between. I think a lot of people who have abduction experiences have very great difficulty finding that person who is non-judgmental and will engage in that talk therapy with them. Of course, the question of the ages here, Bernstein, is with abductions, what is really happening to these people? That is a really, really tricky question, uh, Gene, because I think that the abduction experience is a very vast, wide spectrum. And uh, I like Rakowski's uh, comment, he calls it uh, alien abduction syndrome, that this is something that is in fact happening in the populace. It is something that's present and, and we need to bring a very thoughtful perspective on how to treat it and not dismiss it at all in any way. Uh, but, uh, but it is a wide spectrum. Of course, there's still the question whether any of these cases could possibly have some sort 
of ET involvement or not. Not, not that I would deny that that's possibly happening uh, there, but I think the more that we do look at abductions, I think if, if we do approach it with care and concern, we can start to tease out that perhaps some of these experiences are very deeply internal experiences, uh, what their connection is to other worlds, uh, whether it's aliens or not, I think that's another question altogether, and I don't think we have any proof or evidence uh, really of that, except in very, very few cases. Well, it's certainly true on the Paracast that when we discuss so-called alien abductions, we don't take the prevailing viewpoint. And sometimes that gets us on the bad side of some people, but that's how it goes. That's what we think. There's a lot more to it than we expect. With Gene and with Chris and Bert State, you're in the Paracast. Free from the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. Gene. C-N. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Did you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-205-8110. In clinical trials, the ingredient in superbeta prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This superbeta prostate-free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-205-8110. That's 1-800-205-8110. Call 1-800-205-8110. Yeah? Did you want to see me, sir? Well, I did, but now that I do, I'm not so sure. Sir? Johnson, I got a mission for you that could change your life. Oh, good, sir. It involves traveling halfway around the world without so much as half a clue of where you're going or what you're going to do when you get there. Situation normal, sir? Uh-huh. Well, I'll be leading this mission, Johnson, so I'll be telling you what to do. You, sir? That's right, Johnson, and I say first things first. Oh, good plan, sir. And what I say is first is food. Always remember that, Johnson. Food is a big deal. Sir, my brother-in-law can give us a really good deal on some surplus MREs. Johnson, if you've got half a brain and that empty head of yours, you'll Call the freeze-dry guy like I did. That food is better for you, it rehydrates faster, and it's good, Johnson. And it keeps for up to 30 years. Will we be gone that long, sir? I hope not. Now get your supplies organized and meet me down to the pier at dawn on Sunday. We sail at sunrise. Yes, sir. This adventure is brought to you by the freeze-dry guy. Call 866-404-3663. 
or visit freezedryguy.com. Are you always five minutes late? Maybe you're only late when you don't want to be somewhere. Then you realize you're always five minutes late. For work, you set three alarms, drag your feet in the shower, drink your coffee slowly until you're rushing out the door. Five minutes late. It's not that you hate your job. Hate is such a strong word. You're just not that excited about it. But most people don't love what they do, right? Listen, if you're local to the Twin Cities, are hardworking, self-driven with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable, and a whiz on the phone, you might want to join one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, GCN. Because right now, we are hiring, and we offer benefits. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, where you'll want to be five minutes early every day. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. We're sitting down and we're relaxing with Gene and Chris in burnt state. And maybe Chris is having a few. <laughs> you burnt state? Well, uh, I don't know. It depends on what kind of scotch he's drinking right there. <laughs> I am not a scotch drinker. Oh, you're missing out. Uh, I know. I, I've got a, a $200 bottle of scotch in there that I just hate to crack. Okay, save it for me. <laughs> yeah. It's a special edition in a black lacquer box and the whole deal. Lovely. It's given to me as a as a gift from a big tour group I did in November. I just don't have the heart to open it. It's so beautiful. Well, you must share it with people and just be sure you don't waste it by mixing it with anything. The most oh, God, things no. that you should oh, ever put oh, in oh, it. Oh, oh. you nice. Not even nice. Just one drop of water totally changes the complexity of scotch and watch it come alive in your mouth. That is something else. <laughs> okay. It sounds like I'm talking to a, a true aficionado. Okay. Let's get to uh, another subject that uh, I know that you, uh, one of the things that attracted you to the Paracast, uh, I think is the whole concept of, of the trickster or some sort of mechanism of absurdity that just permeates and, and is a thread. It's a super highway that runs through all these phenomenal categories, uh, phenomenal events, descriptions of interactions with otherworldly beings and uh, otherworldly craft and, and spirits and ghosts and, and uh, ancestor spirits. Uh, I mean, you go around the world, it runs the gamut. And that's this whole idea of the absurd, the liminal, anti-structural trickster type energy. What role do you uh, feel this kind of, of force or element or mechanism plays uh, in this whole scenario? Well, I think we touched on it a little bit briefly before, but I do think it's one of the oldest parts of, of who we are as a society and a culture. You know, and it goes back to that idea of creation and, and destruction that you can't have a homogenous society that continues to exist in, in one mode only. There must be the nightmare that comes in that disrupts that. Something has to come in and change it and cause them to reinvent themselves because it's unhealthy to stay as a homogenous society. And, and I think we can see that perhaps maybe historically or archaeologically when suddenly, you know, civilizations just seem to disappear or poof or change uh, gears altogether. All I do think that what we're talking about now in terms of the phenomenon, we're talking about maybe the tertiary part or the sociological aspects of the phenomenon, where I wonder how much of this is about us and it's about our own narratives that we're passing down and that perhaps because of those 
those memory pieces, those images that are already in our minds that have been passed down as, as narratives, that, that that is in fact going to be the shape that we, we see. Right, so the event conforms to our expectations, as you spoke about with Bishop uh, previously, and 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 I do feel that 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 somehow maybe we're in on the joke and we don't even know it. You know, there's some of those self-deprecating aspects to some of these experiences. Yeah, that's that a really good way of putting it. And and maybe we're we're missing that. And you see it in dreams all the time. You know, when you take a look and spend time thinking about your dreams, you can see there's your brain playing stuff back to you. It's trying to help you out with something. And, and, and you know, from my perspective, dreams are about learning and, and that's what's taking place is that, that the dream imagery is there trying to reflect on the things that happen during the dream and try to help us along with learning or solving a, a problem because that's what we are. We're learning and growing creatures. And so I do see, you know, some of the stuff that Hanson talks about, that you talk about, these really wild events that have in some cases a real element, element of schadenfreude to them, you know, where we're kind of laughing at our misery even you know that the 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 um the, the stimulus or whatever it is seems to be almost mocking us or, or taking us down or degrading us but maybe it's about us shifting gears because we're stuck and we're in a very stale mode of operation and so we need to have those and, and when you look at the, the paths that go along with the the trickster uh, element right that quite often this is about that individual who's on the margins of society experiencing something incredible in the middle of the night it's dark and they see their spirit guide or they see an extremely tall, monstrous, undulating, green-skinned alien there, but it shakes them up and shifts them, and they come back now to the group to tell their story of, of what happened. And, and I do believe that is the role of the trickster, that those, those eternal images that are, that are Jungian, when you read Jung's uh, treatise on, on the trickster, you see just how old this experience is. It yeah. seems like these are patterns of our mind. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in another, of course, that, that brings up the whole issue now, we talk about tricksters every so often on the show, about weird things happening to shows. And let me tell you right now that we're in the next to last segment of this episode of the PowerCast, and something weird has happened that we just discovered. So for those entire portions of the show, it may sound normal to you, but at the time of the recording, all of my voice parts, except for the very beginning, upped and vanished they weren't there because my audio did not get recorded on the first take of this show. Oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. Oh man, Gene, that's the first time in the, in the history of the show that that's ever happened. Technology let you down. Well, you know, it's very interesting here that we had this happen one time before where we actually lost a whole segment. We cool. had Jacques Vallée on the show in the Goodness. days of our previous co-host. You never heard the show. Because we lost the first half, and he never came back to do it again until several years later that he did one hour on the PowerCast. Wow. I mean, I know what's wrong, and I know why it happened. But I wish <laughs> I noticed this when we were doing the recording. Oh, uh, that makes my, my arches uh, tingle. <laughs> okay, we okay. have the case of the tingled arches. I'm going to be up yeah. all night, and, and you know we'll have to have things work out a little differently. But uh, it's going to take me probably another hour or two to edit this show than normally. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're wondering what we're talking about, I'd rather not get into it. Let's just continue our discussion about tricksters and everything. But don't you see, Burnt State, that in terms of UFOs and things like that, the presence of the trickster seems to be causing so much issues. 
it, it, it really is, and, and it is a wicked uh, creature in some ways. I, I don't think it is always just laughter. And, and, and when we think about these experiences that we've been talking about, I think often these experiences are, they are fearful experiences, they're nightmarish experiences, they're experiences that take us to the boundaries uh, of society and to the margins. And, and I do believe the things we're talking about are these, exist in these borderline spaces, or I, I described it on the forum, I think, of, of things that are just around the corner. Uh, from you and sometimes what's yeah. just around the corner is not too friendly at all sometimes it'll, it's a clown in a big suit and it gives you a big laugh and sometimes that clown is pretty scary and completely petrifies you but in both cases i think what it does produce is a pretty big surge of chemistry through our body and mm-hmm. emotion and it's something that allows us to turn you know to pivot and perhaps to make some different ideas and different ways of doing things as a result i think it's a teacher is what it is more than anything well, and my point is, if, for my follow-up on this, and is that it's also, if understood, could be used as a as a very effective tool uh, by, you know, the control structure mm-hmm. using that particular um, modus operandi to to uh, befuddle people, to uh, disinform people, to misinform people, to manipulate situations, individuals, and and subjects uh, for whatever purpose, uh, most often control, and most often uh, it's very self-serving, uh, the agenda. But, you know, if we have PSYOPs, uh, people that are able to program particular key tricksterish events within groups, within individuals, within um, the culture, you could have tremendous power there. And it seems to me that, that it, boy, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there were certain elements of the, the black world that had really factored a lot of this uh, in, into the equation and is, uh, has somehow come up with a way to manipulate people, places, and things, and events to, to elicit particular uh, pre-sussed-out you know, kind of uh, eventualities and effects uh, uh, by uh, in, eliciting some sort of program or, or technique. Uh, that is tricksterish in nature to, to like I said, dis and misinform people and manipulate people, places, and, and events. I, I think that there's there's good truth inside of that, and, and there's some slight conspiracist angles to it as well. I've always believed that we've lived in an age of kings and queens. It's just that kings and queens now are billionaires, and we don't even know where they live and can't see them. Well, this has certainly so far been a very unusual episode of the show, but we have more to come. And hopefully you'll be able to hear it without any further problems. We have Burnt State, along with Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. UnseenNow.com, proud sponsor of GCN. Unseen Now's unparalleled encryption tools keep your communications secure. GCN. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. 
Attack of the Rockoids, and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Did you know by age 50, half of all men have an enlarged prostate? This means more urges to urinate, longer bathroom trips, waking at night to urinate, or issues with sex. If this sounds familiar, call us now, because we're shipping free bottles of Super Beta Prostate to listeners of this station. Super Beta Prostate is a non-prescription formula guaranteed to reduce the symptoms of your enlarged prostate. It's yours free. Pay only shipping and handling. Just call 1-800-205-8110. In clinical trials, the ingredient in Super Beta Prostate was shown to reduce urges to urinate, improve bladder emptying, reduce waking at night to urinate, and improve quality of life. This Super Beta Prostate-free offer is for listeners of this station, but it won't last. Don't wait. Just call 1-800-205-8110. That's 1-800-205-8110. Call 1-800-205-8110. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV This is Tracy Torme, screenwriter, producer. You're listening to Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Jan, Chris, and the Paracast, and an interesting tricksterish adventure with Burnt State, where all sorts of strange, arcane things occurred. In any case, let us continue, people. You were starting an answer, Burnt State, and we had to do a brief break. Can you pick up on it? Sure. I, I was just thinking that in, that in older times, you know, it was very hard for us to get in contact with Caesar. 
And there's a pretty interesting story where the, the guy who's got a fish wants to bring it to Caesar and somehow managed to sneak past the guards, get inside the, the kingdom and, and presents the guy with a fish, freaks Caesar right out, of course, and has the man put to death immediately. But I think that that concept of those kings and queens who manipulate our lives and control us, I mean, we live like that today. Take a look at the, the world of high luxury and, and high billionaire living. They're living in a completely different world than us common folk are. And we're really slaving away in, in some ways to, to feed a, another monster altogether that's beyond us. And I think that's a real human manipulation that's definitely in front of us. When we take a look at Chris's discussion where he's making a suggestion, there's something else that's there that perhaps also could be you know, manipulating us. I, I do subscribe to the possibility that there is a distraction game that's taking place. That, that, that we are, we, there's a lot of distraction that's going on. And when you take a look on the surface of, let's say, the UFO phenomenon, for example, when you look at the surface of it, it appears that we are being led down the road to talk about a very Roswellian kind of mythos, that aliens from another planet come down, make contact with us, manipulate us, and, and take off again. And they, they treat us like we're animals in the woods that need to be bagged and tagged. And perhaps that's a complete myth. And a total lie and a complete deception, and that there is, in fact, other purposes that are there. And I'm very fascinated by some of those communications that, let's say, come through the contactee experience, or even Zanfreda's experience, that what's happening to us, we don't fully understand. And maybe as a species, I don't know if we'll get the capacity to, but there does seem to be another impulse inside of this discussion that is leading us towards creative impulses to try to understand what's taking place and perhaps to try to make us into something different as a species in terms of what we pursue and what we glorify and what we decide to pay homage to, uh, because the things we pay homage to are pretty thin right now. And I think it's going to be pretty sad when archaeologists look back at the 21st century and see the billboards, you know, that we worshipped. So I do think that phenomenon does have this other role that maybe not just distracts us, but is offering us an opportunity, like it's a, it's a dualist piece, it's got two sides of the, the coin, that is offering us an opportunity to recreate ourselves into something different, if only we can find the way to get there or to see what's actually taking place. I kind of yeah. wonder, as we look at everything here, to what degree we're being led across this reality, number one. But number two, a thousand or two thousand years from now, what is going to be left of this society, if anything? Yeah. Most homes are history in about 30 years. They don't survive. That's right. Yeah, we're not a permanent uh, structure, that's for sure. And you take a look at different parts of the world, let's say Central Europe, when you build a home there, you've got to build a home that's going to last at least 100, 200 years. All right, there, there's a more sophisticated civilization there because they've been playing the civilization game for a lot longer than us here in, in North America, where we are all about throwaway culture, throwaway society. And, and, and those are the real sad parts of us. I think we're losing parts of our humanity daily because we don't activate ourselves in, in a real visceral human flesh and blood kind of manner at all. The archaeologists are going to look back at some of our billboards and books and possibly uh, surviving uh, DVDs and, and notice a fixation with big twerking booties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we come down to Hooters at the end of the day. You know, it's a pretty sad, but we've also been about that too, have we not? We've always suckled at the breast and have enjoyed that as an image as part of our base instincts. And and again, not to bring it back to that abduction piece, but you take a look at what are the experiences that are taking place there? Well, sometimes they're sexual experiences, and other times they're experiences that are about consumption. And then there's other experiences that are about you, you're the messenger, you need to go and tell the people about these things. Now, these are all basic primal urges, are they not? It's food, it's pleasure. Yep, very good point. Let me just go back to the remnants of civilization for one more thing. We're putting everything in the cloud. 
Everything is in this amorphous cloud, which is basically a bunch of data centers with lots of computers. And if you want to talk about survival of anything, imagine the potential for survival of the cloud. And the answer is there is none. As long as those computers exist, as long as backups exist, as long as there are archives, all the stuff we've done online will exist there. Our entire lives are dependent, in many cases, being online. Facebook, iCloud, all this stuff. What happens when those computers disappear? Yeah, we get a big EMP pulse. There's a great sci-fi uh, story where everybody, of course, is wired to the web and, and they do everything through the web. So they've never had reasons for schools or education. And then the pulse happens, of course, and, and people have to be taught again how to read. And the only people that can teach them to do anything were all those people who genetically, they didn't have the capacity to have the web, you know, hooked and wired into their brain. And, and I think there's a good moral to that story, because like Prometheus, who goes a little too far to grab the fire, I think this technology is going to do us in one day, if it's not already deeply in the process of it. And there's another, you know, interesting theory around what are alien abductions. When you take a look at it, it's very technological experience, and people are being poked and prodded, and there's lights and all sorts of interesting things and a crazy analysis. And, and, and what have you. Uh, the one theorist, you know, this is a response to life in the technological age, and we've created our own monster that's coming to get us, and we're manifesting that in our own collective unconscious, and whether it's dream experiences or, or real, or what we appear to be uh, real to us uh, there, but maybe it is a response to the techno monster, and, and I think that's one thing we might need to consider getting rid of, because I don't know how much it helps us, actually. It'd sure be terrible if we lost all that data. <laughs> <laughs> it might. The whole world, the whole world would collapse. We're so reliant on it now. Yeah. It's amazing how 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 much in twenty years this Western world has become completely just subservient, almost, and and so reliant on technology. You know, we're the only people that really have a chance if all this crashes down like a house of cards are you know people that live in the country, that grow their own food, raise their own animals, mm-hmm. um, know how to. You know, just do basic uh, survive, have basic survival skills, uh, you know, off the grid. And boy, I'll tell you, it's it's going to be hell to pay in urban centers. Well, tell me, what would you rather do? Would you rather be, you know, watching some kind of pathetic digital porn, you know, image on uh, the screen? Or would you rather be cuddling with your loved one by a rock in a fire in the middle of the woods? And I think that basic primal natural experience is something we actually need to return to. There's yeah. something real and vital that's there compared to the the lie that many of us live through it, that online experience. Yeah, that's true. We're we're in that. Uh, you know, I think it's insidious. I, I, I because it's it's incremental. Um, I don't think it, it's a force for the trees scenario. I don't think people realize how you know totally you know. I guess it would be, it's like a form of addiction, really. Um, you know, I really try to, I try to, you know, be uh, level-headed about my, my web usage, but, but, but I find myself really relying heavily on the internet, on, you know, this smartphone that I just battled for years not to, not to get a cell phone. Then I said I'd never text and I said I'd never get a smartphone. And it's just, it's, my reality is slowly being eaten up uh, and my time has been eaten up by, uh, by utilizing technology. Sure, it makes things easier to research and you can find things at the, you know, drop of a hat. But what would happen if all that fell through? What would it do to the psyche of young kids that have grown up with only this technology in their lives? And you know what? That's the kind of way we can leave it open for everyone to ponder. 
<laughs> Burnt State, do you have a website or something where we can find more of what you do, or is it the Paracast forums? Yeah, you'll see me lurking on the Paracast forums, and uh, I'm supposed to be being very productive doing other work, so I might take a hiatus in the near future, but I, I'll definitely be there to follow up on this show because it was so great participating in it. Thank you both for allowing me this wonderful opportunity. You can find us lurking sometimes on Twitter, where we're known as the Paracast. On Facebook, there are two. Faracast fan clubs, the problem being if we try to merge them into one, you have to kill the other. It's one of the Facebook quirks being lost in the cloud. And if you subscribe to our official Paracast newsletter at theparacast.com, Chris O'Brien has arranged with us to send you a copy of Secrets of the Mysterious Valley, the ebook version free at theparacast.com. We also have our premium service, the Paracast Plus, plus.theparacast.com to learn more, plus.theparacast.com to learn more. When you do that, you'll get simple sign-up instructions. Paracast Plus gets you the ad-free version of the show, higher resolution copy, and also the after the Paracast podcast. For just a few dollars a month, a few more dollars per year, the Paracast Plus. Chris O'Brien's site is OurStrangePlanet.com, where you can buy all his books and get autographed versions of the physical print copies. He hasn't figured out how to do that with ebooks yet, but we'll find miracles for you. Miracles never cease. Burns State, thanks for joining us on the Paracast. Thank you. The Paracast. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.